This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. He does. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I can't tell you how much we have missed you. We really, really have. Obviously a full show. We've been doing a one-hour show just so we could keep talking baseball. But uh, a full show. September, folks, the race is on, baby. Let's go. The A's are back in action. The San Diego Padres are in town. They've partially remade their club. They got the second most home runs. They got the best slugging percentage. They can swing it. They can play. It's going to be a great battle. And then you're going to have the Houston Astros for five. This is a pivotal homestand like you wouldn't even believe when you start to look at the standings of the American League West. Right now, the A's only lead by two games. But when you have five games against the Houston Astros, a lot can change there. Their destiny is in their own hands. So strap in, folks. It's going to be a wild ride. We got a terrific show for you. Tony Gwynn Jr. is going to be here at 315. The son of the Hall of Famer does television around the San Diego Padres, was a big leaguer himself, will be here once again at 315. Mark Ellis, one of the best second basemen in A's history, will be here at 330. We've got the Bob Melvin Show brought to you by NestBetting.com. That will be here at 4 o'clock. Adam Amin will be here at 4.15 from Fox Sports. He's calling the game on Saturday uh, with Eric Karros. So they nationally picked up this game because they know it's huge. Scott Hatterberg here at 4.30. Uh, where were you 18 years ago today when Hatterberg hit the home run? 20 straight wins for the Oakland Athletics at that point was an American League record. Then we'll have the David Force show. We'll be here at 5 o'clock. And then my brother will be here, which I know everybody goes, what? Bob Townsend will be here. As we always say, Bob Townsend's Padres will be making a little wager between myself and the chicken pie shop of Walnut Creek 
against the San Diego Chicken Pie Shop. It's A's versus Padres. It's Townsend versus Townsend, and we'll be making some type of wager. I don't even know what it is yet, Commander Cody. You set this up. What should we bet? I thought the idea would be something along the lines of the Chicken Pie Shops and something along that. So we'll we'll see what we have in store for Bob Townsend and his Padres because this isn't uh, – the Padres I grew up watching with Everett Cabrera and Adrian Gonzalez and Jake Peavy, led by Bud Black, where they didn't score any, where they didn't score any runs, but they had great pitching. Now they lead baseball in runs scored. They're second in home runs. They lead in slugging. They have the most grand slams in baseball. This Padres team is fun to watch, with a lot of the young players. Tatis is the front runner for MVP in the National League. He leads. In, he's tied for the leading homers with Mike Trout. Uh, a lot of good baseball going on in Southern California, but. I mean, it's if you're a San Diego Padres fan, this is a good time to be excited about this ball club and their Padres, as Ted Leitner would say, my Padres. You, you mean when Ryan Klesko and Phil Nevin were complaining that Petco Park was too big and you couldn't hit home runs? Those Padres? Brian Giles ain't walking through those doors, okay? You got you got someone else. You got Will Myers walking through those doors. <laughs> I mean, we could go really old school. Where's Nate Colbert? Where's the great Dave Winfield? Where is uh, Ozzie Smith? If you want to go six, Sixto Lescano, if you want to go really, really old school. Bip Roberts. But, uh, and let me tell you something. One thing that uh, has happened over the years, uh, as Ted Leitner will call them my Padres, I will say my A's have kicked the crap out of the Padres. Absolutely dominated the series. And I'll never forget a few years ago, I got my brother, my sister-in-law, and a couple other people. The great Mickey Morabito took care of me and took care of my family down in San Diego as the A's opened up a can of you-know-what. They just, over the years, they have not been able to just, they don't have the firepower to compete with American League teams, especially the good A's teams. But now they do. And that's why this series is going to be fascinating. And more importantly, how do the A's come back from everything they've been dealing with? We're dealing with human beings here. These are guys that have been on the road, stuck in a hotel, worried about whether they have COVID or not. I mean, everything that we're going through are things that the players have never dealt with before. And to be really honest with you, these guys are pretty coddled. Their lives are pretty easy. And these organizations do everything they can to make these guys' lives easy. Well, guess what? Life's not easy now. You're dealing with, 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 you're dealing with, you're dealing with, you know, real life, big problems. I mean, they were on their way to Houston. They're worried about a hurricane. They're worried about a pandemic. You're worried. You got all this social injustice and everything that's going on. And people, baseball teams that want to, they want to have their say and they want to have their moment and they want to protest. There's a lot of heavy stuff going on that these players normally don't have to deal with. Well, how are the A's going to deal with this? Because the other thing is time off. Everything about baseball is rhythm and timing. Well, both have been thrown off. How are they going to deal with that? 
Padres didn't play yesterday, play well yesterday as uh, Clevenger made his first start for San Diego and they lost. They got, I believe they got shut out, right? Wasn't like two zip yesterday. The halos beat them. Yeah. For most of the game I was watching, it was two nothing. And I I remember we talked last night for a second. I don't mean to take it away from this, but Franklin Barreto, uh, he does not look good playing for the uh, Los Angeles angels of orange County down there. So I think the A's might've won that trade already, but yeah, it was, Clevenger pitched pretty well for the Padres, and the A's don't have to see him this weekend. But Andrew Heaney had like 120 pitches in the outing he had, so the Angels were able to slow down the Padres a little bit coming to this weekend series against the A's. What happened with Barreto? So Barreto struck out in his first at bat, and then I remember well, I was getting ready to text you, and you called me last night. Barreto went to like to drop down a um, a squeeze, or not even squeeze. It was uh, just dropped down a bunt. And as he dropped the bunt down, it bounced off the ground and hit him in the head, and he was called out because he was in the base path. So things aren't going great down there in, in uh, Los Angeles or Orange County for Franklin Barreto to start his Angels career as he's playing second base with uh, ace killer David Fletcher hurt currently for the Angels. Huh. I wish him nothing but the best. Not going to be easy. But we will see how that is going to play out. Um, there have been 544 games played this season in the first 43 days. That's 12.6 games per day. There will be 20 games on Friday. That is good news. There are five doubleheaders today. For the first time ever, the Red Sox will be visiting team at Fenway Park in today's second game. Think about that. How long have the Boston Red Sox been playing baseball? Long time. A really long time. Uh, Well over 100 years. I'm not going to look it up, but I can tell you, I know it's over 100 years. They've never been the visiting team at Fenway Park. I'll pull it up right now and see when they started playing. 1901, so 119 years. The Red Sox. What was the first year of Fenway? Okay, I'll take a guess. I'll say... First year of Fenway was 1914. Close. According to what I found, it's 1912. Okay, so since 1912, well over 20 years, they've never been the visiting team. Uh, Okay, how about this? Because one thing that I found out was doubleheader knowledge is very tough to come by. Because I brought this up to Cody, like, you know, the A's are playing a doubleheader against the Astros. What 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 is the all-time for the A's, all-time for the at? It's not that easy to find doubleheader information. So the first 25 doubleheaders played this season, there have been 15 sweeps. Not necessarily a small sample size. You win that first game, there's over a 50% chance you're winning the second game. And there have been 164. This blows my mind. There have been 164 players already make their major league debut this season. We're essentially just over two months. We're just, uh, just what, a month and a few days into the season. You've had 164 players make their debut. That's crazy. And we've seen some of the top guys, too, like Casey Mize, Joey Bart, 
Key Brian Hayes from the Pirates. We've seen a lot of young players make their debuts already for teams. Yeah, we haven't seen the Wander Francos of the world for the Rays, but there have been a lot. This is the, the 20 games today, by the way, is the most games played on a single day since August 4th of 1974. The all-time record is 21 back on September 7th, 1970, when there were 21 games played, nine doubleheaders. So the most games played in a single day since 1974 is today. It's unreal. It absolutely is unreal, unprecedented. And how are the A's going to react? Because this is a brutal homestand. When, when, when you got a Padre team that is very explosive, you got the Astros who are chasing you. I mean, anything can happen. And you got to hold serve. I mean, that is really the big thing right now is – I know the A's have been off for a few days, but they have to hold serve and they have to. You got to be able you, you got to be able to withstand this storm because you are right in the middle of a storm. Even though you haven't been playing, you've been in this storm. And that's why I kind of want to be glass half full from a standpoint of, OK, if you've been struggling, set the reset button. If you've been banged up, hit the reset button. Right. You've had a few days to clear your head and just take some BP or throw a bullpen. If you've struggled pitching, hitting, whatever it is, you now have a chance to just kind of reset and say, hey, listen, we got a couple weeks left, and then it's the postseason. And I'm looking in my notes, and all through my notes, you're starting to see talk about playoffs. Magic numbers, schedules left, who's got who, that's where we are. And the A's technically right now control their own destiny. And you take it to the Padres for three days, and then you bring in the Astros, and then you, I mean, you essentially can knock the Astros so far down within basically like two two weeks to play. Or you don't play well, and now the Astros not only are in it, but now really have a chance to win the division. That's how important this week is. The division is up for grabs now that you only have a two-game lead. What are you going to do about it? And this has been really, really hard from the standpoint of these guys were sitting in a hotel in Houston and couldn't do anything. They're away from their families. They're away from their loved ones. It sucks. By the way, who I'm, I'm trying to look for my notes. Oh, here we go. The Astros have the Angels. Ugh. Potentially no Altuve, though, according to what I've been yeah. seeing on Twitter. Apparently, Dusty Baker said he's doubtful to play this series uh, this weekend with a knee sprain. Yeah, he's day-to-day had an MRI on his right knee. That qualifies as good news considering he underwent a procedure on the same knee after the 2018 season. The Astros have scored a major league best 36 runs in the first inning. They're starting to get hot. And that's why the A's, since the start of play on August 12th, the Astros have won 14 of 19. 
The Astros have won four of six meetings against the Angels this year. You got to hold serve against the Padres. That's the bottom line. It is always great to talk to Tony Gwynn Jr. He sounds so much like his dad. It's unreal. But Tony Gwynn Jr. had a good career now doing television around the San Diego Padres. I think it's Fox Sports San Diego, right, Cody, is what he does? Yeah, he also does Padres radio sometimes, too. And he does a radio show on their flagship station. Was it 93.7 The Fan? So he does a lot around the Padres down in San Diego. So here is my earlier conversation with Tony Gwynn Jr. Tony, it's great to talk to you. It's been a while since we last saw you down in San Diego at the winter meetings. And boy, what a big series we got here between the A's and the San Diego Padres. Going to be a lot of fun. There's no doubt about it. Uh, this two of the hottest teams in baseball facing off. More importantly, two of the most exciting teams to watch from a spectating standpoint. Face off in the series. Uh, both of these teams look like they'll be in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, the A's are uh, at the top of that West Division. The Padres chasing the Dodgers. But there's just a lot of good storylines uh, as 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 it, as, it, as it pertains to these two teams. A lot of youth, a lot of star power, and those are all all ingredients for the making of a, of a good regular season series. Yeah, I bet, you know, a lot of people didn't look at this a while back and went, wow, this is a series uh, that you really need to watch. And now it's becoming, uh, you know, Fox is picking it up as, as the national yeah. game on Saturday. You go to MLB.com right now. It's on it's on the front page. There's a lot of stock. You know what? Not only is there a lot of star power, there's a lot of young star power, and that's really yeah, what the yeah. A's are bringing to the party, and now the Padres are bringing to the party. We'll talk about all the trades, but just talk about all the, the young quality talent in this series. I mean, listen, it, it's, it's really the one thing that baseball misses out on compared to maybe basketball. Is you don't often get a chance to match up young stars that are, are, are must-see, and uh, – this 60-game season, I think, has kind of put that on steroids, if you will, a little bit. And and because of that, matchups like this uh, are, are highlighted. And and then you take into account the way the schedule is. There's Everybody's within their division trying to stay in the regions to, to try to keep the COVID-19 cases down in terms of uh, uh, baseball. So uh, because of that, it actually makes for a compelling series, a series that people want to watch. Uh, you mentioned the young stars, Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, uh, Matt Chapman. You got Lazardo on the on the mound tonight. Uh, these, these are all the things that uh, I think baseball's missed for a while. So it's nice to get a matchup uh, where two teams are facing off, and there and there's a lot of buzz around the two teams. You know, you know, I'm from San Diego, and we've talked about that, and. You know, I, I looked at when the Chargers left, this was an opportunity for the Padres to really take back the town. And I think of all the deals that they've made, you know, this is an opportunity. Yes, the Dodgers are a fantastic club, but you just got to be one of the eight in the National League or one of the eight in the American League, and everybody's got a puncher's chance. What is the excitement when you start talking about we're going to bring in Clevenger or you're going to bring in Mitch Moreland? I mean, is there like a buzz going on right now in San Diego about all those moves being made? Oh, I mean, I don't remember a buzz like this, honestly, since 1998. And that team went to a World Series and faced off against the Yankees. Uh, that's the kind of 
uh, that's the kind of coverage you're getting here in San Diego. I have a radio show that goes from three to seven, and and that is the conversations that we're having literally for for hours at a time, talking about the you know the Padres and the excitement that that follows them. So uh, you talk about the moves AJ Preller went out and made. Uh, he, he really just did a tremendous job. I mean, for the last four or five years, he's been stockpiling talent, which is the new currency in Major League Baseball, is young prospects. And he and the Padres had a boatload of them, and um, he waited for the right time. You know, there was questions over the last two years with Padres make deadline moves, especially last year when they were two and a half games out of a playoff spot. It really didn't go in, and there was a lot of question marks behind that, but you see now he, he sees an opportunity and he, he doesn't just, you know, crack the door open. He kicks the whole thing down and, and the Padres go from a team that there was a, a, some buzz about as far as making the playoffs to a team that I think a lot of people consider to have one of the best rosters in the National League behind the Dodgers. You know, the funny thing about the West is, you know, you start looking like when we were matching this thing up that you're going to have to deal Obviously, what we've had to deal with with the Astros, you know, last year the Astros won 107, the Dodgers won 106. The Dodgers are just, it's just, it's a machine right now. It is what it is. And it's like the Padres can make all the additions they want. If you, and and obviously you played for both organizations, you know, when you look at the Dodgers, do you think the Dodgers really fear the moves? Are they like, you know what? We're not worried about anybody. No, I don't think they fear. I think they know that the the really the the the, the structure that they have built in 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 Los Angeles is has had a head start. You know, the foundation they've built started seven eight years ago, and they've just continually added to it. And, and you could argue in in those years since Friedman has took over, they've actually gotten smarter about how they go about spending, when they're going to spend, and timing has lined up perfectly for them. So I don't know if they fear, but I do know that that organization knows the Padres are coming. I, uh, I, the first couple series after playing, Chris Taylor had some nice comments about the Padres recognizing that this team was coming. I've talked with Jerry Harrison Jr., who's one of their analysts. We've had yeah. many a conversations looking at, these, looking at this Padre club and him telling me, Listen, you guys, you guys are on your way. And so, and that was before these trades happened. So certainly in the Padres clubhouse, this is a ball club that is, is really primed and confident that you put them in a series with the Dodgers, they're going to be able to, to keep it competitive. And I think most of those guys believe they can win this series. So uh, obviously the Dodgers are the champs until somebody dethrones them. You don't by chance win seven straight division titles. Uh, just out of luck. There's pl- plenty of planning, plenty of ty- uh, uh, talent in that organization, and, and, and until somebody dethrones them, you know they're they're the kings at least in the National League West. Yeah, currently Tony, they've only won five in a row, and their run differential is only <laughs> plus ninety eight. Plus ninety eight. Like you're looking at going. God, it's like hard to believe them the way they've dominated a short season that. Uh, uh, it, it, it's been very, very impressive. There, there's no question about it. I mean, they just got so much talent. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, the thing that you look at the Dodgers and you see how they're constructed, it, it boils down to depth. And, and they don't just have depth at a couple positions. They literally have depth at all positions. And 
there have five or six interchangeable parts where guys play multiple positions. And then you have the, 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 the stars of the team. I mean, the Turners. Now Seeger's back healthy, swinging the bat like he was prior to, to tearing up his elbow. Uh, you got Munchie who's struggling a little bit. He's coming up. Bellinger seems to be coming around. Oh, yeah, and then they added this dude, Mookie Betts. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's pretty <laughs> good as well. So, like, it, it doesn't stop there. And then you look at the pitching side, and, yes, they lost three pretty important starters uh, over the offseason, but all they've done is filled those spots up with guys that they've had coming through their organization, uh, and they just keep – they hit the ground running. Clayton Kershaw reinvents himself. It seems like uh, – Kenley Jansen has reinvented himself, and then they've added bullpen help uh, as well. So there isn't a lot of flaws. Uh, but as you said, as we saw last year in the playoffs, you just need a puncher's chance. Once you get in the dance, all bets are off. And uh, that's the position I think teams are trying to put themselves in this year is just to get to the dance because after watching the Nationals last year who struggled early but finished as strong as anybody, I think a lot of teams realize it's just about getting to the dance. You know, Tony, you can speak to this as a former player. You don't like to have a long layoff. And with the social injustice that's going in our country, the A's experienced that with the Texas Rangers and taking a day off. And then all of a sudden you have a positive COVID test and now you have more days off. Uh, You know, it's just it's it's going to be a few days since the A's have played. Just talk to us. What's that like as a player to, to, to have like a, an extensive layoff? And then all of a sudden it's like, get back into it. And here you go. It, it depends. It depends on, on how, what your mindset is during that time off. Um, it, it, this is unique, obviously, right? It's not often that baseball players get unplanned day off other than rainouts throughout the course of the season. And those don't happen often, but, I think we've learned this year that uh, you kind of have to to keep your mind locked in on the season. We've seen teams take significant time off this year, but we've also seen teams come back and hit the ground running. We've seen the Marlins do that. We've seen the Orioles do that. So it's not out of the realm uh, to see teams have long layoffs. As a matter of fact, we saw the Nationals have a long layoff after one of their series in the playoffs, after kind of rolling through it. And and then we see them in the World Series pick up like nothing happened. So I think it's a mindset. If you can convince yourself to stay in that regular game mode, even if even though you know you're not playing, I think that goes a long way to uh, being able to knock off some of the rest. But obviously it's not ideal to, to be missing two, three, four days before going into a series, let alone a series that I think everybody's uh, got a lot of eyes on. You know, looking at the series long, you know, over the years and the history of it, I mean, obviously being an American League team, a ton of firepower, the A's have dominated the series against the Padres over the years. The numbers are kind of overwhelming. Why do you think, yeah. is it just the DH? What, what, what do you think it is when you, when you look at, you know, the strong American League teams, what they've done against National League teams? Well, specifically the the A's Padres, I mean, they've dominated the series because, quite frankly, they just had the better roster. Regardless of whether they were the DH user or not, the A's have generally had the better team in recent years. Uh, speaking from a, an overall standpoint, I think that does factor into it. Um, the, the American League teams go into an offseason knowing how, you know, to go after a DH. We're, 
Whereas National League teams don't have that generally. They, they're built for double switches, defensive replacements. Um, their roster has to kind of have a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of that flavor to it because of the strategy part of uh, of the National League. So there is a, an advantage there, but uh, that advantage is, can be somewhat stymied once you go into a National League park and you don't get the DH right. You're going to lose a player and. Uh, if your starting pitching can get you deep enough, uh, you can keep that whatever bat that is off the bench or, and keep them out of the, 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 the process of the game. So uh, I think there is a built-in advantage a little bit for, for, for American League teams. But uh, in this series this year, I don't think uh, we're going to be looking at the same type of rosters going head-to-head that we have in the past. Are you shocked that home field advantage in this shortened season – really hasn't mattered that much? I'm not. I'm not I'm not shocked because home field advantage barely mattered uh, when fans were in the stands. And, I mean, I think it was something like 52 53%, uh, generally speaking. But uh, I can imagine with no fans in there and you having to kind of uh, make up your own energy, so to speak, I can see the advantages kind of not – being a big deal, right? A, a teams generally don't like going on the road. You know, you're going to have to deal with different things going on in terms of fans, and, and that's just not the case no more. I mean, uh, you could trick yourself into believing that, you know, it, it's a home game. There really is no difference other than the, the, the surrounding uh, uh, so surrounding area of you that, that, that could be a little bit different. But in terms of the game, it's just baseball, and with no fans there to remind you that you're not at home or you're not away, I can see how it could be closer to neutral, basically. Let's end on this. You've been around this game your entire life, and I, I, I just think, and I've been talking about it on my shows, about how what these players and what the managers and the coaches and, and the training staffs and, and everybody around the front office – what they're going through just to make this happen. I mean, I talk about all the time how we're, we're, we're hanging on by a thread. And I just think whoever wins this in the end, whoever is crowned the champion, whoever is the World Series champion, this will be a very special group because fighting COVID, going through everything that's going on in our country, my, you know, and Tony, what, what the A's were just going into, they're worried about a hurricane and dealing with that right. with the Houston Astros. I mean, there's so much going on that, you, like, you didn't have to deal with in your career. I mean, it's, it's like crazy what these guys are having to go through. I just really think in the end, whoever wins, this will be a really special champion that we'll look back and go, man, what they went through, we've never seen before. Uh, you, you know why that's going to be the case? You have to think we're all going through our own elements of it, right? So we know what it's like on a personal standpoint, and that's not even trying to play in a baseball game. So it'll be relatable. And so you're right. I 100% agree this championship should not have any type of asterisk on it other than the fact that, you know what, this probably was really hard to achieve this championship because of everything that comes with it. Uh, uh, I mean, to have to, as you mentioned earlier, Oakland having to, to, to stop cease because of the, 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 the social injustice that we're dealing with in our country, to have to stop because somebody gets COVID-19 and they don't want it, they don't want it to spread. So there's no game like that's unprecedented. Like we've never, ever had to deal with anything like that. So I a hundred percent agree. Any guy, the team that wins the championship this year will have hundred percent deserved it. 
And I think we will look upon this champion uh, a lot, a, a lot more fondly than we do some of the other shortened season uh, champions, because we recognize the difficulty uh, that we're all facing, let alone going out and trying to win uh, a World Series title. And that brings, brings me to another point. You got to commend the players because they've all been pouring it out. It seems like in these games with no fans, nobody watching, um, and they have had to orchestrate their own energy throughout all of this. And uh, I, I know dealing with this pandemic, there's been days where you're just down in the dumps. These guys continue to keep going out there every day and, and putting on a show for us. And, and, and I tell you what, it's been a fun season to watch. Tony, it was great to see you down in San Diego, and we always appreciate the time. Continued success with everything you're doing around the Padres, and be safe with you and your family, and uh, let's enjoy this one, and uh, who knows? Maybe this could be a World Series preview. Yeah, that would be sweet. I know everybody in San Diego would certainly love that. You take care, my friend. Be well. You do the same. Thank you. Tony Gwynn, Jr., these are two high-powered ball clubs coming after it right here. Get ready for the next three days. And the A's, you know, they've had time off. I'm going to play the glass half full and say, you know what? Maybe for some of these guys that have struggled out of the gate, this has been a good time to hit the reset button. Because your stats are not going to matter. These aren't going to be your traditional baseball stats as guys like Cody who are stuck in, you know, 1960 and he just wants to talk about batting average and home runs and RBIs and he doesn't want to be in analytics. You know, Cody, you're going to have to get over that and realize we're just not, it's not going to matter with the, as you like to say all the time, back of the baseball card. That's just not going to matter. So the only thing that's going to matter is who's hot as the postseason starts. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if if, he, if a guy comes into this postseason with a bad batting average, I mean, that, I'm, that's going to tell me how bad of a season he's had. And, you know, if, if I look and I see Jesus Lazardo only has three wins, that means he was a really bad pitcher this year when the A's won as many games as they probably will. Uh, you got you got a player, a guy like me who lives in the past, you got to look past those kind of things and just realize that it's not about the wins this year. You know, coming next year, Garrett Cole is going to win 20 games through the Yankees. You know, quick aside, they did the top 10 starting pitching rankings, and Garrett Cole was in the top 10 right now. Uh, uh, I'm sure New York's exploding right now knowing that's happening. That Garrett Cole, who they paid all the money to, is not a top 10 pitcher right now in baseball. But you're right. I think this. I think if the A's get hot going in the postseason, that's much better than, than you know, guys struggling because it, it's just by getting there and, and playing hot getting into the postseason. How many times have we seen a wild card team in the NFL – get hot like the Giants win the Super Bowl or in baseball the Marlins did it I mean how many times have we seen teams get hot and go the, the Nationals are the best example last year what were they 19 and 30 or 19 and 31 after 50 games and they they, they how well they played and they won in the World Series that's all you need you just need a hot streak going in the playoffs and then just have a hot team I mean, who thought Howie Kendrick was going to be the the star for the Nationals in the postseason I didn't I thought it was, I mean Juan Soto was great don't get me wrong but the guys they had step up, those are the guys you don't expect, and the guy the A's have some of those guys that could do that for them. So just get hot and get in and that's and then you know go from there. You remember when the New York Giants won the Super Bowl? They went to Tampa and beat John Gruden and the Buccaneers. 
Then they went and beat the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. Dallas had beaten them twice. And don't forget, remember, they almost had beaten the Patriots on Monday Night Football, and the Patriots were undefeated. So they beat Tampa on the road. They beat Dallas on the road. Then they go to Green Bay, and it's freezing cold, and they beat Green Bay in Lambeau Field. And then they go on and they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And the Patriots were undefeated at the time. It was truly one of the great examples of how just get hot at the right time. And you can put that like a tournament style as we do have Mark on the line. Mark, Chris Townsend with the A's. How are you? It's been a while. I'm good, Chris. How are you doing? Uh, We're doing well. You know, we're just, you know, Talking about the A's getting started back once again, but really kind of the excitement of when we're going to look at at the playoffs where there's going to be 16 teams playing and it's a true tournament. It's really like anybody's, everybody's got a shot. Yeah, it's crazy. It's almost like an NBA type model, you know, and uh, I think it'll be pretty exciting this year. Um, I haven't followed as closely as normal just because things are going on, you know, but uh, I know the A's are doing well and they have one of the young, exciting teams. One of the most exciting teams all in the whole league. Well, more importantly, how's the family doing? We're good. We're good. We just uh, recently moved. I guess we've been here about a year now. We were in Arizona for a long time and uh, moved up here to the Northwest and Seattle, a little closer to uh, my wife's family and cousins and all that. So we've been enjoying that, and uh, it's been a good move for us. You know, I, I think about we, – we, we, we joke, you know, where were you 18 years ago today – um, what a special moment. And we're going to have your, your, your buddy, Scott Hatterberg on here in just a little bit. I mean, when you look back 18, I mean, it's hard to believe it was 18 years ago, but 18 years ago, what a special run that group of A's that, that team, it was just so special. That was, it was really crazy. It was, uh, such a great year and such a, such a cool moment. You know, I still remember, I can still picture fans in the stands when we got to like 14, 15 games in a row and Miguel Tejada being the best player in the league at that time and getting big hit after big hit. And then uh, obviously the big night when uh, we had like a 12-0 lead or something against <laughs> the Royals yeah. and they came back. And and uh, I was actually standing on deck when Hattie hit that home run and just the roar of the crowd and the electricity uh, in that building was, uh, it was, I'll never, ever forget it. You know, and that was, like you said, 18 years ago, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, I mean, those big hits, I mean, by Miguel Tejado, it's what, it, it, it's what won him the MVP. And But that game was so crazy because I guarantee you there's a lot of people that thought the A's would just keep on winning, and that probably maybe even turned off that game because you had such a big lead. The fact that the Royals came all the way back and you had Tim Hudson on the mound, like no one would even think that would have happened. No, never. Not with Huddy on the mound. You know, he was our, he was our bulldog. He was our leader. And uh, I don't even think Huddy got hit that hard. If I remember correctly, we played some pretty poor defense behind him. If I remember, uh, if I remember that game correctly. And uh, it was just crazy. Just a, just to have that, I think I swear it's twelve nothing, and um, to have them come back like that, uh, it was crazy. But it made for uh, it made for a much more dramatic win and uh, a lot more exciting, and uh, obviously was awesome for Hattie, and uh, was uh, something he'll always be remembered for. 
Well, yeah, it was actually so good they ended up writing a book about it, making a movie about it. <laughs> yeah, and he was he was such a he was such a big part of that, and uh, he was a big part of our team too. Eddie was uh, not only a great player on that team, but a great leader for us, and uh, still to this day does a lot of great things for the the A's organization. You know, I, I think about the example you set while you were here, and obviously, you know, the A's want you around as much as possible, and hopefully someday you'll be around even more. But just talk about your relationship with the organization, because I know this organization, what you mean to it and what it means to you. Yeah, I, I, I love the A's organization, and uh, it's a very special place to me. I wasn't drafted by them, uh, but was quickly traded over to the organization, and uh there's so many good people involved in the A's organization from the top to the bottom and, uh, you know, the clubhouse staff and, you know, all those people that are still there and still involved in a very loyal organization. Uh, it, it means everything to me. I was fortunate enough to play with a, a couple other teams as well and have some fond memories uh, with some other teams. But um, I would always call the A's my, uh, my home team. Yeah, you came over in that trade from Kansas City, I think that you were Johnny. Da you were Johnny Damon, right? You came over, Damon. Yeah, I think there was about twelve players in that trade. Yes, me and me and Johnny came over. I think uh, Corey Lytle was involved from Tampa. Um, there's there's quite a few of us in that trade. And the thing about it for you was like you got here, and then of course the next year is O two. What we're talking about that special uh, win streak, but it, it allowed you to get to the big leagues pretty quick. It did, you know, and initially when I got traded, I was a shortstop, and um, I looked at, uh, you know, the top prospect list. Obviously, you have Miguel in, in the big leagues, and I look at the prospects, and Jose Ortiz was at second base, and I thought I was blocked. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I'm going to this team, and I got nowhere to go, you know, and um, they were having a great year in 01, and, uh, but it turned out, things worked out, and uh, I I couldn't be happier than uh, to be on that on that team and that organization uh, for all those years and to uh, be around all those great people and have the great teammates that I had throughout the years. Yeah, I mean, you guys had a pretty good run, and I know you guys didn't end up winning a World Series. I remember talking to Tim Hudson not too long ago where he, he kind of sits back and goes, man, I can't believe with all that talent that we had that we didn't win a World Series. But the group was very special. You guys were really close. Just talk about the clubhouse and just, you know, the continuity that you guys had. Yeah, it was crazy. We, uh, a lot of us were younger guys, uh, not married yet, you know, and we just, uh, we just really enjoyed being around each other. We, uh, we enjoyed the time in our life where we were, you know, we, uh, we embraced it. We were young. We were in the big leagues. We were really good and we knew we were really good and we didn't care that we were really good. You know, we were, uh, you know, I wouldn't say we were cocky, but, we were very, very confident, and um, it was a it was a great group of guys to be around. And uh, we had uh, I can't remember it was last year or the year before we had a little reunion, um, and we all got together again. And you know, one of the guys that anchored that anchored that team uh, in 2002 was David Justice, and uh, he really kind of pulled everybody together. And uh, he had so much success in his career um, on some great teams, and uh, he was a, he was a big part of that team as well. So um, even getting together the last year or two. Uh, he was great still, and all the guys are. We had so much fun together. Yeah, and I know the fan base. Uh, the way they celebrate you guys, it's almost like you won a World Series. But just that <laughs> time, because we always talk about the big three, and we talk about the playoff runs. The relationship that you guys had with the fan base, 
you guys really kind of brought got the A's back going once again because there was that lull in the late 90s where the team wasn't very good. It's like you energized the fan base again. I think so. I like to think we had a, had a part in it. And, uh, you know, we also embraced uh, playing in that ballpark. We embraced um, our awesome fans uh, in Oakland. I mean, you know, we might not have had 40,000 people there every night, but say we had – 15 or 20, we love, those are great fans. The 15 or 20 that we had that would come to the ballpark were awesome. And, um, you know, we play those Wednesday dollar beer, dollar hot dog games, and, you know, it'd be packed. And uh, so we, lo- we loved it. We loved everything about it. And it was, it truly was a home field advantage for us uh, playing in the Coliseum. And, you know, it might be a little cold in the summer, but we didn't care. You know, we didn't care. The teams coming in would care, but we could care less. And we'd go out and just and beat up on them. So, we kind of embraced the whole uh, the whole Oakland mentality, and um, we loved it. Yeah, I had quite a few of those dollar uh, beers and dollar hot dogs back in my day. Right, <laughs> <laughs> so those were the best times, right there. <laughs> you know, think about what these play- players are going through today. I just with the pandemic and traveling, and uh, this it, it really is it, it's unbelievable what they're going through. And you know, we we got the Bob Melvin show coming up here. And just a little bit, and, and Bob talked about, and is going to talk about just how tough it was to be in Houston, where they're stuck in their hotel room. Daniel Mingdon's test tested positive, and they they can't leave. And just, can you just even imagine what it'd be like to be a player today? No, it'd be tough. This would be uh, this would be a really tough year. Um, you know, just being being away from your families. Um, You'd have so much responsibility on your shoulders uh, to not bring it into that clubhouse. You know, we're uh, it's such a tight unit when you are in that clubhouse, and you would you'd feel terrible if you did something to uh, jeopardize the rest of the team. Um, the A's are in a good good situation. They have tremendous leadership on that team. Uh, Bob Melvin is really a great manager and truly really a great uh, leader of those of those guys out there. And um, the young the young guys they have. Uh, Chapman and Olsen and Marcus Simeon, those guys, they, uh, I can imagine they keep each other, they hold each other accountable, uh, very well. So, but to, uh, to go out there and play in this, in this short season, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's tough with no, with no fans, no atmosphere. It would be, it'd be tough, but, you know, I suppose by this point in the season, they're probably used to it and, uh, they're probably, uh, they're probably doing just fine. You know, when I think about you long-term, what exactly do you want to do in baseball? Have you thought about that? What you want to do long-term? You know, I haven't put a lot of thought into it. Um, right now, I'm so happy with, uh, with uh, what I'm doing right now. My son through this, my son is 13 through this whole pandemic has kind of found a love for baseball because there's nothing else he can do. <laughs> he <laughs> can't go out and, he, he, you know, he's, he thinks he's going to be the next Steph Curry. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I embrace that, but realistically, I think he's a uh, his best chance is probably baseball. So, and he can't play football right now. So, we've had so much fun this summer just going out the two of us and me throwing him batting practice, and he's kind of embraced that. So, I got a, a horse rider, I got a gymnast, my two girls. So, um, right now, that is that is the sole focus of of my life. Um, I love baseball. I love it to death. I always have, and I suppose I always will. But um, Right now, at this moment in my life, I'm really, I'm really enjoying being around my my family, and I've been put in a position where I've been able to do that. So I'm going to take full advantage of that. 
So how's your son's jumper if he wants to be the next Steph Curry? Well, I can tell you, he's not. He's no Steph Curry right now. <laughs> no Steph Curry, yeah. When I can beat him in horse, he's got he's got a lot of work to do. <laughs> oh, God, but that just has to be great. I mean, uh, from a standpoint of playing with your son and teaching your son has to just be – has got to be the best thing. It is a lot of fun, and now he'll sit down with me and we'll watch it. We'll put a ball game on, and, you know, we can – you know, analyze different guys in a in a father son way, and he can tell me things that he likes and doesn't like, and so it's it is a lot of fun, and you know, just trying to teach him the the joy of baseball, not the not the silly stuff, not the not the serious part of it, just the joy of it, and I just want him to go out and have fun playing, and and then uh, play as long as he can. Hey, it's always great catching up. It's great to hear your voice. That's one of the things that we've tried to do here. Uh, with A's cast live is to bring on a lot of familiar voices. Cause as you know, especially here still in Northern California, we're pretty much still here on lockdown. So this is kind of a release every single day for our fan base. So it's great to hear from you. Hope all is well. Let's uh, let's talk soon and be safe with the family. All right. You guys be safe as well. And uh, great talking to you guys and go A's. The great Mark Ellis right here on A's Cast Live. What a second baseman he was. Do you know what college and what position did he play at that college? Oh, boy. I usually know basketball and and football guys really well when it comes to college. Baseball, sometimes I know guys, but Mark Ellis, I, I, I have no idea. He was a Gator at the University of Florida. And he was a third baseman. Interesting. Like you wouldn't think of him because now we, you know, he's a second baseman. In college, he was a third baseman. And that's he he is another great example of a guy getting to the A's and they figure out a way, get him to the big leagues. I mean, if you are, seriously, if you're a young player, there's certain organizations you would love to be traded to. And there's no question I think of, and another one I would think of the Rays, to where organizations that are going to put young play are going to get, you know, if you're a young player, the A's have no problem getting you to the big leagues if they believe in you. And so if you hear you get traded to the A's, how would you not be excited about that? Because you're going to get a chance. I mean, look, he thought he was blocked. Next thing you know, he's the second baseman of the future. And it was here for years. And truly one of the great stories. It was root beer float day. And Mark Ellis got traded. But before he was to leave, he went out and still filled his, I I don't want to call it an obligation, but he still went out and did root beer float day and and did, you know, the root beer floats for fans when he knew he was traded. And I want to say it was like late in root beer float day, it got announced that he was traded and then he left. But he knew he was leaving. He was going to where did he go? Colorado, if I remember correctly. Let me look. I don't want, I keep thinking St. Louis for some reason. Uh, it was Colorado. Yeah, he got traded to the Rockies. And I always said to myself, 
what a class act that this guy knows that he's getting traded. Could have easily just left the Coliseum. Probably not even shown up to the Coliseum. But he still went out there in his uniform and and made root beer floats for the fans when he knew he was getting traded. How many guys would do that? Not many. I'll tell you that. Not many. That guy's a class act. And I'll always look back at, you know, guys that you cover, good dudes. Mark Ellis will always be one of those guys. And it is hard to believe it was 18 years ago today that the A's would come back and beat the Kansas City Royals, Scott Hatterberg with the home run, and they would win 20 in a row. And then it's hard to believe that the Cleveland Indians beat that. Would they win, 22 or 23, whatever it is? Yeah, they won 22 in a row. I think it was, what, 2017? So was that the year after they went to the World Series? They came back and they won 22 in a row. Uh, That Indians team was pretty good. But that A's team was special. I mean, me growing up on the East Coast, uh, you know, the Pirates stunk. So I was always a fan of Giambi and Isringhausen and Johnny Damon, and then Zito and those guys broke onto the scene, and I kind of latched onto them. And then the twenty, the, you know, the twenty wins in a row was incredible. And then the money, the Moneyball was written, and then that that movie was made about uh, Moneyball. So ev- everyone kind of has an idea uh, what happened in Oakland back in the early two thousands. Now with the writing of Moneyball, that they're in the movie in the movie as well. So if you're just a casual baseball fan, you probably know what happened in Oakland in the early two thousands. You don't even have to be a baseball fan, man. I mean, it was a best-selling book. It was a movie that was up for an Academy Awards. It was, and the book was so powerful that a lot of people were forced to read it by their employers. I remember, and I remember being at lunch with some people from the 49ers. They were they were angry, but yeah. 49ers made all their front office read the book. I can guarantee you anybody who was in a front office position for the Niners, the Raiders, the Warriors, the Sharks, and the Giants read that book during that time. Billy Bean ended up being a guest speaker like at everybody's convention, at everybody's meetings. Billy Bean at one point was making more money as a public speaker than he was as a general manager. I mean, I mean, I remember CBS radio, he went and talked. They had their big thing. I God, what was it in LA or San Diego? He went up and talked in front of all the program directors, all the big wigs of CBS. Billy was a public speaker. He, I mean, he was, he was talking around the world. What a time that was. And remember, across the bay, you got Barry Bonds. You got Pac Bell Parks open, A's, Giants, playoffs. I remember I went in one day. I went to Giants, Mets during the mo- uh, in the morning. And then at night, I went to A's, Yankees. I went to two playoff games in one day. And I remember my buddy and I were like, hey, listen, you can't. And at that time, I was at KMBR doing the morning show. And I was like, hey, there's not many times in your life you're going to be able to say you went to two playoff baseball games in one day. And that was a great time for Bay Area baseball. Because both teams were good. 
both teams had stars. I mean, yet back to back, kind of the, the kind of little thing about Moneyball, which kind of you know, it's like, hey, you got Hatterberg, and you know, yeah, okay. Uh, there was a thing called uh, the Big Three, kind of helped out a little bit. Uh, Giambi win the MVP. What did he win? Two thousand. Hmm. Giambi won in 2000, and then Tejada won in 02. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who won. And then the... Ichiro would have yeah. been in 01. A, yeah, Ichiro in 01 is a rookie, won the MVP. Yeah, that's a fraud. He was a rookie. Yeah, he's a rookie, my, you know what. 27-year-old rookie. Uh, Hideo Nomo's a rookie. No, he's not. Nomo was not a rookie. None of these guys are rookies. Hey, if, if you're gonna... baseball is really good. If you're going to say that. I've then... been over there. I've seen it. They're legit. If you're going to say that, his hits from Japan count. He's the all-time hit king, Ben. No, that doesn't count. He he was a special hitter, though. Well, we can admit. I think we can both agree that he was a special hitter when he for, even when he first came. And then three years later, he breaks the all-time hits record in the season. George Sizzler's two hundred. What was it? Two sixty. Two sixty-two. Ichiro got. So I mean, that just that was just incredible itself. God, you remember when people were like talking about like you think Ichiro's going to be a Hall of Fame? You're like going, do you watch these games? Ichiro didn't need to get to 3,000 hits to be a Hall of Famer. No, he... Stop it. Ichiro was legit. His throw... <laughs> that Like that first uh, Dave Niehaus, that's like something out of Star Wars. First game, was it Terrence Long trying to go Terrence to third? Terrence Long, he hosed him at third. I mean, Ichiro was legit. Yeah, but, I mean, that was the thing. It's like you had the big three. Giambi won the MVP. Then Tejada won the MVP. It, it, you know, it wasn't like, oh, my God, they they put Scott Hatterberg at first base and next thing you know they're winning. Like, come on. Book was great. But there was there was more there was more to the uh, reality of um of how the A's won and did business other than a couple quirky moves. <laughs> you don't put a team that, together with a computer, Billy. Well, there you go, Grady. It's going to be funny later on to hear my brother talk about Grady Fuson. As my brother, Bob Townsend, will be here. And, uh, of course, my brother knows Grady as they are both members of San Diego Country Club. And uh, that will be interesting to uh, to hear as, uh, my brother and Grady. But we will have a family bet. I'm curious to see what you guys decide on. Well, you were supposed to really work on this, and I didn't realize you weren't. So now <laughs> this becomes my project. <laughs> well, you're you're good at coming up with stuff like that. It's your brother. You know him better than anybody. Sure, there could be something All embarrassing. Right. Coming up next, you're going to hear from the skipper, Bob Melvin, right here on A's Cast Live. A's second baseman Tony Kemp was on A's Cast Live and explained his plus one effect campaign. Honestly, it's just been a campaign to have open dialogue about race and, you know, especially after the George Floyd murder, it's just about educating people on um, how black people have been oppressed in America and um, what are things that, you know, can be microaggressions toward black people as in like, hey, he speaks well or you know, he talks in a certain manner, and uh, I think it's been good. I think I've been able to educate a lot of people um, that are just looking for answers and people who are kind of oblivious to the situation. 
And uh, yeah, it's been, uh, obviously we've sold over 1,200 shirts and you know, I, I think that it, it has surpassed um, everything that I had ever even thought it would get to. So uh, being able to just have like an open dialogue about race and uh, I just told people, hey, some, some people's opinions are gonna change and some people's, you know, they're gonna stay the same way. So, um, but at least you tried and at least you said you had a tone in which yeah, you know, nobody got upset, but uh, I think that's how you're going to get across people is not getting a, a attitude about it, but just saying, hey, this is how I think, this is how I feel, take it what you want, and, you know, if they take it in a positive way and they agree with you and then that person goes and says it to somebody else, and that's kind of how you, you know, plus one, and that's kind of how, where, where it, uh, the plus one effect transforms from. To hear the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash podcasts. COVID-19 is more than a health crisis. It's a financial crisis for many California families. In this moment, you shouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. That's why at PG&E, we want you to know about our programs to reduce bills for customers facing economic hardship, that we've suspended all disconnections because of non-payment, and we can help you save money by using less energy. To learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. Some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't, because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente. Thrive. Visit kp.org today. Right now, staying connected is more important than ever, and fast, reliable internet from Xfinity can help. We have plans to fit every budget, with speeds up to a gig, all at Xfinity.com. We'll ship you a self-install kit on us to make setup quick, safe, and easy. No tech visit required. And our simple digital tools will help you manage your account online. At Xfinity, we're committed to keeping you connected. Find great offers and value today at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. If you're looking for some beautiful outdoor dining, then look no further than the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. Come try the world-famous Chicken Pie Dinner that has been served in Southern California for over 80 years and one of the most dynamic menus in Walnut Creek. The Chicken Pie Shop also has a full takeout menu and delivery. You go to chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. Don't forget, they can also deliver beer, wine, and spirits. You go to chickenpieshopwc.com. Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. You don't need to understand how available adaptive variable suspension works or how pre-collision cameras detect pedestrians in low light. You don't need to understand any of the craft that went into the Lexus ES to feel it. With outstanding connectivity and standard Lexus Safety System Plus 2.0. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. LSS Plus 2.0 and the pre-collision system with pedestrian detection are not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Cody, let me ask you a question. 
Where's the only place you can hear the Bob Melvin show? Uh, Ace Cast and Ace Cast Live. And it's brought to you by who? Nest Betting. That's nestbetting.com. Here is our weekly conversation with the skipper of your Oakland Athletics. It's now time for the Bob Melvin Show here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. Of course, it is brought to you by nestbetting.com. That's nestbetting.com. Love where you sleep. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order. We're talking mattress. We're talking betting. You name it. Use the coupon code Oakland. Skip, I know this has been a really rough week. It's been a rough week and a half. How are you hanging in there? Well, I've had better weeks, but... You know, it's just in a year of of hurdles that you have to get over and, and distractions and things that you're just not used to dealing with, um, you, you just have to deal with them and you have to move forward and you have to get past what we've been going through and everybody wants to get back on the field and feel semi-normal again. And hopefully that starts tomorrow. Yeah, with the time off, you know, maybe if you had some bumps and bruises on some guys, and I think the number one guy we think about is Marcus Simeon, that maybe if we can spin this glass half full, maybe some guys uh, got a little healthy during this time. Without a doubt, and and that's the way you have to look at it. And also there's still some guys that maybe haven't hit their stride that have been going through, you know, some, some difficult times too. When you go into a slump over 162, it's one thing, but when you know there's only 60 games and the longer it goes, it can it can wear on you. So maybe a couple of days off for some guys that maybe haven't been swinging the bat as well as they normally do, uh, you know, that, that could be another silver lining. You know, you feel bad for Daniel Mingdon who tested positive, but, you know, good news, he's asymptomatic like the majority of these young athletes who end up testing positive. So he just stays in Houston until he passes a couple tests? Correct. I mean, it's it's – for any positive, it's it's a 14-day incubation period or or isolation period. So that's what he's having to deal with from you know from from the first day forward. And you know it's certainly not ideal for him. It's not ideal for us. It, you know, like I said yesterday, there wasn't any pro- protocol that was broken. He didn't really do anything wrong. Um, this thing just sometimes finds its way to you. And that's what happened with him. So, unfortunately, he has to has to sit tight for a period of time. You know, after you guys had to hang out in a hotel in Houston, and now you finally get back home to see your loved ones and be in your own bed, of course, your bed, and that's bedding bed, of course. But uh, of course. how much are you guys just itching to get back on the field? Oh, that I mean, that's that's really where, where you want to get. And, and, you know, we're happy to be back on the field and working out the last couple days, but normalcy is playing a baseball game. So that's what we're all looking forward to. We know we've had some time off, you know, some of the, you know, the pitchers haven't thrown in a while and you have to, to go about, you know, how you feel accordingly. Um, but getting back on the field is, is the cure for all this. So, you know, we're, we're looking forward to, to another day of, of a bunch of neg- all negative tests and, and getting out on the field tomorrow and getting back to a, a routine, which is so important in baseball. And boy, what an interesting homestand this has really turned into as the Padres were the, the, you know, if you want to say the winners of the trading deadline or making the most moves at the trading deadline to improve themselves. And then now you're adding a doubleheader in there against Houston. What's this homestand going to be like? Uh, It's significant. So, you know, every, you know, we talked about when we went on the road, how important this, this road trip was. You know, being that it was supposed to be 10 games, when we come back, there's less than half the season. So, 
uh, this is even more important. Every game from here to the end, um, you know, that now that you can kind of see where the finish line is after the halfway point is going to be important. And San Diego, they're playing good. They've had reinforcements. They're, they're a team riding a lot of momentum right now. So it's not the ideal team probably to have right out of the gate. But the schedule is what the schedule is. And then we know we have an important, you know, five games in four days with Houston. Um, so it's, it's not getting any easier. But, again, you know, our guys thrive on, on getting on a baseball field and competing, and that's where we want to be. We, we try to tell everybody, I mean, you're going to blink and August will be done. You're going to blink and you're in September. Next thing you know, the other day, I actually saw a magic number for the Rays to win the AL East. It's like, this is happening so fast. Before, the, before you had the positive test and you had to stop, how fast does it feel for you guys? I honestly, the first month did not feel fast to me. The second month, my guess is, will feel very fast because we have very limited days off. We have, you know, more more games than days to play them in with three double headers coming up. So it's just going to be an everyday thing. And, and whenever you, you know, you get past the halfway point, my guess, even in a short season, you, you know, you, the, the eye is more on the finish line and every game seems to be more dramatic and swings in the, in the standings and so forth. So, uh, you know, with, with getting used to protocol, getting used to a lot of things in the first uh, 30 days, and now that you're kind of used to these things and each game seems to have more importance to them, I think that the second half will, will go by quicker. Are you going to change your starting pitching? I believe it's Jesus Lazardo will lead off for you tomorrow against the Padres. Uh, after that, are you just staying on track or are you going to mix it up? No, we're going to stay on track because, you know, it's these, some of these guys have been off long enough to, to move things around and, and even have – more time off is probably not the prudent thing to do. And we like all our starters at this point. You know, so Jesus is going to pitch, and it's going to be Sean, then it's going to be Byers, then it's going to be Bassett, then it's going to be Montes who pitched the last game for us. So, um, you know, we, we, we like all our starters and don't feel like there's a reason at this point to, to try to manipulate it. Um, so that, that's the way we'll go. And then we have the double headers coming up. Obviously, Minor is going to factor into those, probably in the bullpen at times before those games as well. But it's nice to have an extra starting pitcher knowing that you have these double headers coming up. Yeah. I mean, you, you, as of right now, you got six guys. I mean, that's gotta be real comforting for you. Yeah. You probably need seven with as many games as we have, but we'll certainly take six and a veteran guy who, who's already told me, look, I just want to contribute. So it's not like he's coming in here saying I need to start, um, you know, nothing like that. He just wants to contribute to a team that's, that's in a good position at this point. So we appreciate that, but there's going to be plenty of work for him. That's for sure. Well, that, you know, that's the thing about, you know, being rescued from the Rangers being Tommy Listella being rescued from the angels. I mean, they go from having absolutely no chance to now being in the thick of it in the fight. And it sounds like, and we haven't been able to talk to you about Tommy yet. I mean, bringing these guys in, uh, they have to be thrilled that they have a shot for the postseason. Exactly. And that's what it's like, you know, every year uh, around the, the trade deadline. Um, you know, in Tommy's case, it's, I don't say it's funny, but, you know, he comes in, we lose a doubleheader, and then we get locked down for, for three or four days. So it's it's not probably the uh, the initiation that he was expecting when he got here. Uh, we kind of chuckled about that yesterday. He tried to make somewhat light of uh, a difficult situation, but I know he's looking forward to getting back out in the field and you know playing on a, a almost an everyday basis 
and helping contribute to a win because that, that's what it's all about this time of year, whether it's a full season or short season. It's, it's trying to get to the postseason and, and play as long as you can. You know, I, I think about adding someone like him. And we've been talking about it here on A's Cast Live about, you know, ever since Jed Lowry left, you haven't really had that guy at the front or the middle of the order that makes a ton of contact. Does it mean you got guys that hit home runs? You got guys that strike out. So what is it like bringing him in to give you someone who's going to make a lot? He doesn't strike out at all. No, and and that's why he gets on base a lot and, and has shown that he can hit for power, too. You know, a lot of the analytics show a very advanced bat and has been for a while now. So we're lucky to get him. And on top of that, like you said, he fits into a, a group that, that maybe does things a little differently than he does. So he balances his out a little bit more. He'll be hitting up in the lineup. We'll have him in the two spot uh, for a guy to get on base. And, you know, if you have to handle the bat, hit and run, so forth, we have a guy that can do that. Um, but, you know, really smart hitter that takes advantage of a hole over between first and second with a runner on first. And it hits the ball the other way, doesn't strike out. A lot of things that maybe we're deficient in, he, he is not. So it's a great addition to our lineup. Oh, no, no, no doubt about it. And uh, I know Marcus has been working out. Are, are we going to see him in, in the series versus the Padres? I don't know yet. I, it, it seemed a little bit more encouraging today with, you know, when I went, went up there a minute ago, he was, he was swinging a bat, taking some dry swings. So I know he's going to go in the cage and do something minimal today. Uh, but as far as yesterday went, I didn't think he was going to be able to do that today. He did take some ground balls and was able to throw yesterday and do some conditioning and so forth. But uh, the swing in the bat is going to be, you know, tell the tale on, on where he goes and when he's going to play. So, you know, we're, we're hoping, you know, t- a tough guy like Marcus, you know, you know the, the, the curve will be shorter than most, but we're just not sure when that's going to be yet. I got to tell you, when, you know, his name was in the lineup, and then he doesn't go out there. It was it was shocking starting a game without Marcus Simeon at shortstop. What was it like for you? It was shocking for everybody, and and just to see the look on his face when when he said that he couldn't go is just not a look I've seen before from him. And it was just you know he was it was all of us were just kind of had to pause for a moment because Marcus has played he's played with a broken wrist here before, so. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's just when you play 200 and some odd games or 240 or whatever it's been in a row, that's one you don't really think a whole lot about. You just know he's going to be leading off. You know he's going to be in the lineup. For him to to not be in the lineup certainly, you know, caught everybody a little bit off guard. But, you know, he's working as hard as he can to try to get back in there. You know, we talked to David Force about this, and I'm going to say the same thing to you. You guys should be very proud. I mean, what you guys are doing and what you're going through – Nobody in the history of the game has ever had to deal with all of this. And then you throw in a hurricane that you guys were worried about. And the Houston Astros were worried about a pandemic and, and everything that's going on in society. The fact that you guys are holding this thing together. I mean, you're the, you're the leader of this club. You're the leader of the ship. So congratulations on everything you guys have done. Cause I know it has not been easy. Right. It hasn't. And, and I appreciate that, you know, and this, this threw, threw us for, for a loop that we didn't think we were going to have to go through either, you know, and it's just, it seems like it's one thing after another, you know, we almost had to have a game canceled last homestand because of the air quality and that's still kind of out there too. So, you know, what we really try to reflect on is even though it's hard and even though we're, we're going through a lot, 
society's having a tougher time than we are. At least we're working and we're trying to be a, uh, you know, a release and, and, and entertainment value for, for a lot of people that aren't working right now and having to go through very difficult times. So we're, you know, as tough as it is, we're, we're, we're lucky to be working and, and, and playing baseball. Great stuff as always. Good luck, good luck this week, and we'll talk to you next week. Be safe. Sounds good. You as well. Thank you. And that's the Bob Melvin Show brought to you by nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. Remember, it's a fabulous deal. 10% off your entire order when you use the coupon code Oakland. We're, we're talking beds, bedding, you name it. Go to nestbedding.com, the proud sponsor of the Bob Melvin Show. There you go. The skipper, Bob Melvin. It's called exclusive content, Cody, is what it's called. And we got it for you right here on A's Cast. The same thing with David Forrest. You want the exclusive David Forrest show? You get that right here. By the way, we haven't even talked about the pitching matchup tonight. Yeah, we could talk a lot of... uh, A's baseball, because everybody around baseball is going to be looking at this series. It's a powerhouse series. We talk about it right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I want to quickly, before we get to Adam Amin, who will be calling the game with Eric Karros on Fox Sports, Just this is just simple math for you. A's starters... When they go five innings, Mike Fires five times, Montas three times, Bassett five times, Lazardo four, Shamania three, the A's are 16 and four. When A starters go at least six, remember, Cody, when you said you didn't care about starters and in innings pitched and you wanted everything to be just bullpens? Remember when you said that? Yep. I still believe, I still believe that. What are, what, 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 are, what are the A's starters? What's their record when they go at least six innings? Uh, when they go at least six innings, they are eight and one this year. So wow, yeah, I've been going back and doing the research and updating this every time this this happens. Yeah. And um, like I, I think I put on there too, Mike Miner's gone five or more innings five times this year, and the Rangers were wait for it one and four in those games. So it shows you what a good team does for a good pitcher and what a bad team does for a. Two thousand nineteen, A's pitchers go at least seven innings. 16 and four. Are these small sample size numbers, Cody? I don't think so, no. So what we're having to admit is that if your starting pitcher goes longer, you have a better chance that not only does he win the game, but the team wins the game? Uh, that That is correct. Oh, okay. I just, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm just, just <laughs> trying to. These are your notes, not mine. The A's are also twenty and what twenty and five when they hit a home run, and two and seven when they don't. So, shows you how much they rely on the home run as well. So, those are two things. So you're just... saying if they hit a home run, they have a better chance to win. Yeah, I'm saying if you hit a, at least one home run, you're probably going to win the game for the A's. <laughs> All right, Adam Amin from Fox Sports joined us earlier today. He's calling the game on Saturday as they picked it up as a national game. He's calling it with the old school. Played for the A's for a for a smidge, but we'll always remember Eric Carlos as a Dodger. Here is our conversation getting you ready for Padres and the A's. 
Adam, it's great to have you here on A's Cast Live. And I know some people thought at some point maybe A's Padres wouldn't be a dynamic series. But with the way the A's have been playing and the Padres and all the different moves that they made during the deadline, we've got a juicy series coming up here. And you guys are going to be taking it on Fox. I'm excited for it, CT. Seriously. It's, uh, you know, I'm with you. I don't know what the preseason expectation level was for both of these teams, even with the A's going to back-to-back playoffs. uh, I I didn't know what the expectation was going to look like. And and again, we, we kind of felt that about everybody, right? It's a weird season. It's a 60 game sprint, all this stuff that we, we, we were talking about, you know, towards the end of July, but you still didn't have real context for what these teams are going to look like. And I don't know what, the feeling is about the Padres and you would know too being a guy who's you know from that area CT it's it's weird to think about San Diego this quote-unquote deep into a year past the halfway point and we're looking at them a as a playoff team and b as a potential uh upset special maybe for a team like the Dodgers if they were to meet in a postseason series so uh it's been awesome it's been it's been good for baseball frankly to have cities like this back on the map consistently for the A's and and you know the first time in what feels like a long time for the Padres. This is a good thing for baseball. I'm, I'm excited for, for, for this weekend, for this series. And I know a lot of people are too. You know, I, I, I know it's not sexy, but the reality is when you look at the A's and why they're in first place, it's about their bullpen. They have the best bullpen in Major League Baseball with a 1.87 ERA. And their last nine games, their ERA is 0.30. They've allowed one run or fewer in 16 of the last 17 games. And as much as 162 games is so much about your starting pitching, this season so far has taught us in the short season how much bullpen plays. How much will you guys talk about that? I think a lot, especially, you know, we've gotten into these situations now where bullpen play as, as a whole new dynamic, you got to face, you know, three, three hitters, all that stuff, or, or finishing any, you got all these different dynamics that come into play for managers. So the play of a bullpen, it's not just about being a specialist anymore. You got to get out. You know, if you're a lefty, you have to be able to get right handers out. If you're a righty, you better be prepared to maybe go two innings uh, in a contest because of, how short some of the starts have been for a lot of high quality teams. And, and there have been a lot of good rotations around baseball. Like the Cardinals have a pretty good starters ERA, but their you know, their depth in terms of how deep guys have been going, not very deep. So you needed long guys out of the pen much more. You needed guys to be able to go two innings to try to conserve arms for the next game. If you're playing a, you know, a second leg of a double header that day. So with all these dynamics, we've been talking about bullpens a lot more. So that's only a credit, a further credit, frankly, to what the athletics have done. To have these many arms, uh, whether it's Trevino, whether it's a future edition of A.J. Puck, it seems like he's going to be coming back relatively shortly. Uh, what Hendricks has done, in particular, winning you know, reliever of the month this past month where he was dynamic. You know, We called a couple of his games where you know, he was lights out, and that's what we've come to expect for most of the guys in the back end of this pen bullpen play is that much more essential and important in baseball, whether we're under these circumstances or not. The fact that we are under these circumstances in an era where the bullpen is that much more important. Uh, the fact is this is a bullpen that's been getting it done. That's what a lot of organizations championship level organizations have been seeking. You know, I look at the Cubs here in Chicago and I'm thinking, 
you know, the, the, the bullpen. And it's why they went out and got Andrew Chafin at the trade deadline. They needed to get a, another arm that, that could get right-handers out from the left side. They needed that. Uh, it's that much more important now, and that's why the Athletics are in a position where they're in right now. It's why a lot of the teams that have been playing well in the first, you know, 30 to 40 games of the year, uh, that's a big reason why uh, I feel like they're in the position that they're in is because they've got reliable arms at the back end. By the way, how about Chicago? I mean, you got the Cubs <laughs> leading, obviously, what they're doing in the Central, and we kind of knew that the the White Sox were kind of going to be a chic pick, but, I mean, they're right there where they just like a half game back, and that's kind of crazy between Minnesota, Chicago, and Cleveland. I think baseball's got to be on fire right there, uh, on fire right now in Chicago. A lot of young names on the south side uh, for the White Sox that have started to garner a lot of right, you know, well earned and well deserved attention for sure. But you know, Luis Robert having the month that he had in August, the power that he displayed. Uh, Tim Anderson, you know, batting champion already, continues to have a dynamic power season in these circumstances. Uh, Eloy Jimenez has out of the park power, pretty much every ballpark in in the league. So to have these guys as kind of the face of it, along with the rotation that's been pretty darn good, you know, just about four out of every five starts, you're looking at, you know, a quality outing. Uh, Lucas Giolito, you know, the no-hitter obviously was was one of the headline moments, but what Dallas Keuchel has brought to the table, what Dylan Cease has been able to, to put together in some really solid starts. This, this might be – the best bull, uh, starting rotation in all of baseball had Michael Kopech not opted out this year. So, I mean, there's a lot of big-time names that are really garnering a lot of attention on the south side. And, and the Cubs have continued to be consistent. You know, their bullpen issues were well-documented. Craig Kimbrell just hasn't lived up to, to you know, what, what the Cubs are hoping to get out of him, you know, to go back to his Atlanta Braves days and his Red Sox days. Uh, he hasn't lived up to that yet. But they've gone out and piecemealed it together with multiple arms, you uh, Darvish has had a very solid season. John Lester has given you enough. Uh, they have enough from the rest of that rotation to get them through series. So a lot of reason to be excited in Chicago. I've rambled on long enough about it, CP. There's a reason why I have. I think it's because finally, the, for the first time in maybe 12 or 13 years, people are really convinced that these are two teams that can both make in the same playoff a deep run. Yeah, because that's something that, you know, a lot of people around the country don't realize is that you have New York, you have Chicago, you have here in the Bay Area, and you have Southern California with the Dodgers and Angels. I guess now I you maybe be able to say D.C. and Baltimore, where you talk about where you have two teams in the same market. And when you do have two teams, and we've seen it with the Giants and A's for years, that when both teams are good, man, the excitement in a city is unbelievable, and it's so great for baseball. I agree, man. We got to, we got a chance to do that A's uh, Giants uh, series. We got to do, got the chance to do the Saturday game. That was one of the big comebacks that uh, the A's have had this year. I think that was the can of home run late in the game. Uh, yeah. You know, so we've had had the opportunity to kind of see what it means when you have. And again, the Giants weren't playing particularly well at that point in the season. This was before they had, I think, their seven or eight game win streak. Uh, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago. So this is before that, but. At various points, we've seen good stretches from both teams. We've seen really strong stretches from the A's throughout the year. Same deal in Chicago. Uh, I, I would say, you know, we've seen some heroics lately from the Mets. They're still four under 500, but 
you still see signs of a very resilient group. And if they could get some pitching consistency, I feel like maybe they'd be in much better shape. Their run differential is pretty bad. And I think a lot of it just has to do with uh, how big of holes they've gotten themselves into, whether it's through their bullpen or through their starting rotation. So uh, I, I'm with you, man. I, I think I think you need these markets. They, the Angels certainly feel like a bit of a disappointment this year. Uh, and, and maybe that's the case when you have the best player who just doesn't feel like he's going to get an opportunity to play in many marquee games. Uh, that, so that's certainly disappointing. But I, I feel you, man. When you have two teams in that sa- in the same market that both kind of light the fires under their respective fan bases and give you a reason, especially in a year like this where you might where you're going to play each other a lot. You know, Giants, A's, Yankees, Mets. We just saw what happened last night with Pete Alonso walk off again. Uh, for the Mets against the Yankees, when you have games like that, I was, you know, hanging around uh, a couple, uh, a couple of my friends during the Cubs White Sox series, and you can kind of feel the the intensity of uh, of that series, even though the White Sox dominated for the most part. You could feel that both sides of it were really excited for it. I think we have a lot of that in baseball this year. You know, I'm not shocked that the Dodgers are are, are leading baseball in a lot of different things. I mean, obviously their roster is incredible, and, and they got 70 home runs. But the fact that the Padres, this kind of shocks me that they they've got so the Dodgers lead with 70 dingers, the Padres got 69, and the Padres lead Major League Baseball with a 484 slugging. And you know, because remember, Petco Park was too big, and you can't hit home mm-hmm. runs move the fences in. I mean, I'm kind of shocked of the offensive numbers by the Padres. Yeah, I think uh, the, this speaks to a couple of things that I know A's fans are familiar with too, like the launch angle, like trying to get underneath the ball, turning more balls uh, into fly balls, which in turn will probably lead to more home runs. Uh, they have an offense that's built around that. But similarly to the A's, you have a bunch of guys on the roster that don't chase a ton, even though I know Marcus Semien has been dealing with a little bit of those issues as of late uh, when he was healthy, you know, before the, you know, a couple of the shutdowns over the course of the week for the, for the A's. You know, I know he, he was dealing with a little bit of that, but for the most part, you have guys on the Padres, you have guys on the A's very similarly built. They're not going to chase a ton. There's good walk rates across the board. They get, get guys on base at a great clip. And then they have, three, four, five guys often in the lineup uh, uh, for both of these lineups that you feel like could take the ball out of the park at any moment. So that's kind of the the trend we've seen in baseball the last five to ten years. Obviously, everybody's trying to do more and more of, uh, of, of, the, of the launch angle analytics, uh, trying to get underneath the ball, really focusing on not chasing pitches out of the zone and trying to work counts and finally force somebody to make a mistake. These are lineups that have gotten under the skin of a lot of different pitching staffs this year, very much because of that. They get guys on base at a great clip. They bother you on the base paths. And then when the biggest moments of the game come, they have the ability from multiple spots in in their lineups to hit home runs and get runs in big chunks. That's been the case for both these teams. You know, what's going to be so interesting in the next week is going to be, you're going to have three games against the Padres. Then now you're going to have, five games against the Astros because the A's had to allow the Astros to have their time to, to, to make their statement as the A's had to do that also with the Texas Rangers and then with, with social injustice. And then you have a COVID test in there. The A's haven't played in a while and baseball is a game of rhythm, rhythm and tempo to really see how this team in first place reacts 
to these next, uh, you know, the three games against the Padres and the five against the Astros, this homestand is so pivotal. And, and it's hard, Adam, to really judge it because this is something that these athletes have really never, from, from an emotional standpoint to a physical standpoint, they never had to deal with something like this. Yeah, there's a million different elements to all of this, right? Whether whether it is the, the, the social injustice, whether it is, uh, brand new circumstances with scheduling, with COVID testing, whatever it may be. And, and again, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, hey, the A's probably could have played against the Mariners. But again, out of an abundance of caution, they were trying to be careful. And, and you, you fill in as need be. This is a very, very much an ad hoc season, right? We're making, we're kind of making some of this up as we go. And, and we have to, if we wanted to make this work, we knew that there were going to be some bumpy spots where you got to figure out how to make things work. That's what everybody uh, that's, that's involved in professional sports right now. And, and to a certain extent, co- uh, extent college sports is trying to figure out where we're navigating this all in a very strange time. I agree with you about the routine. I'll be fascinated to see how the A's come out tonight. We may not even see Marcus Semien in the lineup, uh, depending on he, on how he's feeling. So even if he say comes back Saturday during our broadcast, you know, it's still going to take, you know, you would think take some time to get back into the swing of things, not just from not playing, but Marcus is coming off an injury. All of these guys are coming off four or five days where they haven't taken their normal, uh, gone through their normal routine. So I, I am fascinated by this, man. And I think we said this a month plus ago before the season began. I heard this from a lot of analysts. The teams that, teams that are the most disciplined, that are able to stay in their routine as much as possible, I think are going to be teams that have a certain level of success built in to these very odd circumstances. So if the A's can combat that, this is their time. You know, it's been a very odd week for, for them uh, to try to navigate through their portion of this schedule. Then if they can deal with that, get back into a swing of things fast, it's going to feel like nothing ever changed. And now you go through this final stretch of, uh, you know, 20-some-odd games to get to the end of the regular season. Let's end on this. Since you've been calling all these games, uh, what's been the oddest thing for you calling games and you're not there yeah man it's uh trying to take something that you're used to describing or talking about or contextualizing that's in three dimensions in front of you and now try to do that same contextualization when it's put into two dimensions like it's a weird i know that's a broad-based concept to think about but that's how i feel when i'm sitting in a booth and seeing everything in front of me and seeing the depth of the ball uh, when it's put up into the air, seeing the length of it, uh, you know, much, much more clearly seeing the reactions of the outfielders, how they react to a fly ball. So if they turn around, it's, it's very obvious that thing's going to get out of here. And you can use those uh, benchmarks, those points to call the game the way that, you know, your instincts have taught you to do. Those things aren't as clearly at our disposal now. So it's a little bit more difficult, but is it something that's impossible to overcome? Of course not. You know, you have to train yourself just like we've, we've trained ourselves to do this job a very specific way for a long time. Now it's, it's our job to adjust and, and fans at home don't care. It's not their job to care about, you know, how we have to deal with it, but there are some difficulties and challenges and it gets easier the more often we do it. And it gets a little bit more comfortable the more often we do it. How about my wife walking into the studio going, you haven't started the barbecue yet. (laughs) <laughs> hey, it's Labor Day weekend, man. You better be. You better have that stuff on point, man. We're talking about some serious things, all right? 
Oh, the dogs come in. I can't tell you all the different stuff we've done during COVID. <laughs> it is, uh, it's been incredible because, you know, I mean, that was the number one thing here in California. We're still the most locked down in Northern California. We're still the most locked down out of anybody. I mean, we've right. been in lockdown since March 15th, and that was a big thing for our governor. Nobody in the ballpark, no one around the team. So it's, uh, it's been wild times, but uh, you play-by-play guys, which you guys have been able to do and entertain us. Thank you so much for what you guys have been doing because I, I know it's not easy, but uh, we need you guys and we need these games. It means a lot. Well, we appreciate you saying that, CT, and it means a lot to us to even have the opportunity to do it and still uh, enjoy this sport that we enjoy being a part of on the broadcast side. We'll uh, hopefully bring you some uh, some levity and some enjoyment and, uh, you know, Sorry for not being Glenn and uh, and Ray and and Dallas and the great crew for the A's, but uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll do our best. And uh, if you if you if you hate us, hey, you got a pretty good radio team too, and in Ken and Vince, so it's all good. Oh, are you kidding me? We 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 love you, and Eric Karros, we love you. He still has the best hair in the business. Undoubtedly, man, it's, a, it's a, that that lettuce continues to flow at a very high rate. It's very impressive. <laughs> Adam, great stuff. We always appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, CT. Appreciate you, bud. Great stuff. Man, we're jam-packed. We got to get to Hatterberg, right? Yeah, we do. That's what what this is all about, pretty much. Do you got the highlight ready? I do. This year, Hatterberg in pinch hitting rolls is uh, one for five. 269 average. Has gone deep a dozen times. Now the pitch, swung on, there's a high drive, hit way back, right center field, that one is gone, and it's 20 consecutive victories for the Oakland Athletics on an unbelievable night when they lost an 11 to nothing lead, and now they win it. Hedberg is bobbed at home plate. The crowd comes back to insane life. Just plain crazy. How do you explain it? In 103 years of American League Baseball, the Athletics have accomplished what no one has before. They have won 20 consecutive games. The Hall of Famer, Bill King. Here is our conversation. 18 years ago today, this guy, Scott Hatterberg, hit the big home run to give the A's 20 straight victories, then the American League record. Well, he will always be a legend here with the Oakland Athletics as he's still with the Oakland Athletics as we speak. Scott Hatterberg with us here on A's Cast Live. And, and Scott, where were you 18 years ago on this date? <laughs> uh, good question. I was on the bench for most of the night, I believe. <laughs> uh, an observer, I was hoping at least. You know, you think about that game, like you got out to that huge lead. You got Tim Hudson on the mound. This is, that that was supposed to be a no brainer. It, it was, I mean, it was a long, it was a long buildup. And then we, you know, kind of got to the, the finish line and we had everything lined up. We had, like you said, Hudson on the Hill. We had a huge lead. Um, man, we had a, we had a huge home crowd behind us. It was, uh, there was just no stopping us. And then, you know, uh, 
and then life happened, <laughs> baseball life. So, uh, yeah, I know it got tougher. When you look back on that moment in your career, obviously it's been 18 years. You've had quite a bit of time to look back. Like, what do you think about when you hit that home run, the banner comes down, you're running around the bases, you set a record. What was that like for you professionally? Uh, well, it has to be, you know, it's definitely, the, the, you know, the the biggest moment of my career. Um, personally, and as a club, I mean, it was just such a, you know, I mean, I know, you know, we, we won that game and I got to hit the homer, but it was such a buildup and we had such a great club that uh, it felt, it felt bigger than just an individual moment. But uh, the, the uh, I don't know, gosh, it was like whiplash as far as an emotional thing, because, you know, during this, I'm watching it, I'm, I didn't play the game. And so I'm just sitting back on the bench watching, you know, us cruise to victory is what I thought. Next thing I know, it's the, you know, ninth inning, and I'm up in the cage with Greg Myers getting ready to pinch hit off Jason Grimsley, who in my mind was, you know, Darth Vader, and, uh, you know, the <laughs> odds of success were nothing. So the last thing on my mind was to freaking hit a home run, drop the banner, and let's, you know, go drink some champagne. That was not the case. So when it did happen, my gosh, talk about, uh, yeah, my head was spinning. I was running around those bases on a cloud, I tell you. You know, those teams didn't end up winning a World Series, but obviously they mean so much to the organization because it really it really brought the franchise back to life, to be honest, because, you know, after that run of, of having so many great players like Ricky Henderson and Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire and Eckersley and Stu and all those guys, and then, the, then they all kind of just went away, and then the franchise went through some really rough years you were part of that time that really brought the franchise back to life. What was that like for you and that core group of players? Uh, well, it was a huge thrill because, uh, you know, I remember those lean years. Gosh, I was in Boston at the time, and I could, you know, yeah. I was drooling at the thought of coming to Oakland. I mean, it was just, you know, vacant in talent. So when, as a free agent, I'm coming over, I'm kind of towards the end of my career. I'm an old veteran guy. And I had seen some of these young kids coming up, the pitchers, the Zito, Mulder, Hudson Chavi was coming up, uh, Miguel. You knew there was a talented core group coming up that was going to really, you know, put the place on the map. So you were just kind of a, um, you know, a veteran piece to come in and, you know, balance things, be a leader, come in in a leadership role. And, my God, these kids, they were so talented, they were so hungry, and they were so loose, and they had so much fun. It just made – it was great for me because, you know, you get get a little longer in the tooth and the game's – the season gets longer and these guys just reinvigorated me and I was the highlight of my career those four years I spent there um you know to be a part of it and watch these guys mature uh it's too bad we didn't win a world series the angels were really good when we were kind of doing it they matched up well to us but uh you know a break here and there in the playoffs this team could have done it yeah it was so talented when you look back and you mentioned the big three and during that time, you had multiple MVPs. I mean, there was so much talent on that team that I think a lot of people, when they look back, they don't think about it. But there was just, I mean, and then here comes Jermaine Dye. There was just so much. There was always so much talent around you guys. Yeah, I know. And it wasn't just one thing. I mean, we really pitched well, and it was a balanced starting staff. We played incredible defense. Chavez and Tejada were I mean, I was playing first base trying to figure that out, but these guys, oh man, they were like action figures over there. 
But they, they were not of this planet. They, you know, gold gloves and, you know, Ron Washington, who was a guy on the staff at the time, is just an absolute guru. I don't know if anybody's taught the game of, you know, defending and, you know, infielding better than that guy. So we had him. Then you had Mark Ellis, who's probably overshadowed. Phenomenal defender. Probably should have won a gold glove. Um, so you had that. And then you had some power. You know, and these guys were – everybody was hitting homers. Uh, you know, you had, like you said, Jim Jermaine died. Terrence Long was even hitting homers. Ramon yeah. Hernandez was catching, hitting homers. So it was a potent team in basically all aspects. So it, it, that's the kind of team that wins it all. I mean, it was unfortunate we didn't. And then who knew some guy was going to show up, write a book. It was going to be a bestseller. Next thing you know, they're going to make a movie. It's up for an Oscar. You're actually a big part of the movie. I mean, when you look back on it now, do you go, how the hell did this happen? Yeah, yeah. I Sometimes you think that you're, you know, you, you, <laughs> it's a dream and you're waking to, you're waiting to wake up. But I remember the day Michael Lewis came to my locker and, you know, we just, you know, even as good as a team was, you didn't draw, we didn't draw the home fans like, like a lot of other clubs. And I remember him coming to me telling me, I'm going to write a book about the A's. And I thought, my gosh, really? I mean, we just don't, we're not the biggest story in TV. I know we're, we're a good up and coming team, but, and then I looked down and said, New York times on his credentials. So I thought, okay, he's not a complete whack. And the more I got to know him, I had already bought liars poker, the book. And the more I got to hear from this guy, I mean, this guy was really, really bright. And I was learning at the time, kind of peeling back the onion, so to speak, about Billy and what he was doing and the kind of the pioneering part of it. And, uh, it, you know, kind of all, it all came together. So I spent three months with him basically every day, just kind of going over my routine. But it was really fascinating. This guy's a, he's a deep thinker. And gosh, it was a great book. But uh, yeah, you know, it was cool to be a part of it. I, to be a movie, oh my God, I thought it was, a movie, I thought it was going to be an after-school special and maybe, you know, Shatner would play Billy or something, but I didn't see Brad Pitt in this this, uh, this vehicle. No way, but gosh, it did. Can't believe it. You know, recently, I have 14-year-old twin daughters, and so they wanted to watch the movie, and we're watching the movie, and, you know, they've known Billy Bean since they were little kids, and trying to explain to them, because, you know, our, our kids are so used to reality TV that you're like, no, yeah. this is Brad Pitt playing Billy Bean. Like Grady Fuson plays golf with my brother down in San Diego. <laughs> I'm trying to explain like this, this guy, this character plays golf with your uncle. Like just like going through the whole thing. And that's for yeah. me. I'm not even in the movie. What is it like? I mean, when you, when you watch it with your family, what's it like? It's, it's hard to put into words. I mean, I, I don't even know what to think. I still think it's fiction. I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, you know, I still keep in touch with Chris Pratt. I mean, which, how weird is that? This guy's freaking Mr. Superhero. So I, that, that blows me away. I mean, just the whole, the whole thing of it is completely surreal. Um, I don't know if my kids even believe it, even after watching it, but yeah, no, it is totally, they made such a good movie. I, I think it's a good story. I think Billy's such an interesting character. The team itself Michael Lewis spins a yarn. I mean, he's just fascinating. So I don't know. You get enough of those those mega pieces together, and they make something good. So I, I, I mean, to be a part of it in whatever way is just like I said, it's surreal. It's pretty cool. You know, over the years, you've gotten very close with Billy Bean, and you guys have worked together. I, I know you're good friends, and you know a lot of people. I think they just don't understand that. Here is a guy that when he took over, there were so many hurdles in front of him 
But yet, basically, half the time he's been in charge, the A's have been in the playoffs. I know people want more playoff success, but the fact that he's gotten this organization with all the pitfalls and all the issues in the postseason so many times, what has it been like for you post-career to be around Billy and to continue to watch this team somehow, some way, continue to get into the postseason? Yeah, you know, Chris, that is the that is it, man. I this guy, I know he gets a lot of respect, and I know he's you know there's a movie and blah blah blah, but I really don't think he gets his due for what he's done with this. He's been handicapped every single year since he's done this, and you, I, I just wish he would have that. I just wish we'd get that crowning, that you know, get that world championship just to validate it some. But I don't think he needs it. I think that this guy has completely changed not only baseball but sports. Um, and being around him he's a force of nature. This guy is uber competitive. Uh, you know, he, he, it's unrelenting in his pursuit to, to put a winner out there and, and find the weakness in the market, analyze people, analyze, uh, he, he's so good at reading people and putting people in the right places. Uh, I, I've learned, I can't even tell you how much underneath him. I mean, he's, he's truly amazing executive. Um, uh, and you know, and he's a great competitive guy. I, I really, I, I think I think of him more as a teammate, honestly, than anything, and you know, a friend. But um, what he's done is—I don't know—it's spectacular. It's hard to put into words. And like, I am a friend. Call me biased or whatever, but I think he's possibly the—you know—one of the best executives that we've seen in any sport or in all sports in the—you know—last twenty years. I mean, the reality is he's been influential in all of our careers, right? I mean, so many yeah, of us have benefited yeah. from, from, from Billy. And I just think about baseball operations with the A's, and I don't think a little pe- enough people, because Moneyball, he was younger. I mean, you think about it now and what, what a family it's like and how long David Force has been there and Billy O and Eric Kubota yeah. and everybody, Pam Pitts and everybody who has been around for so many years that – it really is a culture that's like a family culture versus like most teams. It's really not like that. Oh, exactly. And, uh, you know, unlike our teams, which turn over a lot, it is very boutique and very, uh, it's very, he's, well, he's extremely loyal, but it's a very uh, tight knit group that just hasn't changed. I mean, everybody is pulling in the same direction. You look around, I mean, regimes change all the time, all over the place. And it's just not the case in Oakland. And I don't know what it is. I love it. I mean, I think everybody loves it. And I think that's part of the winning formula. I really do. Is it true that Ron Washington looked at you when Billy Bean said, it's easy to learn first base and wash and and wash went, no, it's not. (laughs) No, but I love that scene. I mean, behind, (laughs) listen, I think those words came out, uh, but I don't think I was there. Wash was a, not only a great teacher, but he was great mentally. I mean, he wanted, he, from the first moment he sent me out there, I mean, when I showed up, I was replacing Jason Giambi and Billy said, just carry your catcher gear around just to avoid the question. So I was kind of there as like an extra catcher, but I was taking ground balls. I mean, I never even took my gear out and watch from the first ball. He hit me. He was just, I mean, he was pumped up every time I, and I had to have been horrible. I mean, I was a catcher my whole life. I never picked up a ground ball. My instincts were to just tackle the stupid thing. So I did. And he just, you know, he spoon-fed me this, that. And, you know, he just worked on the, 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 the pumping-me-up confidence part. And I know behind the scenes, he was telling Billy, there's no way this guy's going to be able to do it. I mean, but he never told me that. I mean, he was very positive. So 
I'm sure in some way, maybe in a roundabout thing, that uh, that did get happened. That was told. Well, I mean, what he did with you, obviously Eric Chavez, but I, I think Marcus Simeon. I, I, I've never seen, and, and a lot a lot goes to Marcus, because not too many athletes would be allowed to be at this level completely broken down and, and, and rebuilt and, and do it in front of the media, in front of everybody on a daily basis. But that relationship between Ron Washington and Marcus Simeon and what he did with Marcus Simeon to really turn him into one of the premier players in the American League. I mean, you've been around this for many years. Have you seen anything like that before in your career? He, he's, a, he's a good example and maybe the best example of what Wash is able to do and, and how he gets a player to buy in. Now, uh, Marcus was, I mean, he was a phenomenal talent, but there were some mental things and there were things that, that he, he struggled with. I mean, there were, there was some big high error years and for him to completely commit to a guy like that. I mean, he was a great player regardless. He could have gone in and been, you know, an average to a slightly below average shortstop the rest of his career, made a ton of money and been fine. But he watched commit. He convinced him to commit and he, and he did. And he has become uh, one of the more well-rounded talents in, in the game at that position. I mean, he, he's phenomenal. And so it speaks volumes of, of Marcus who just wants to get better, but it also speaks to Washington. So I think it was the perfect storm of two, two, uh, you know, first class people. Let's end on this. We know what the guys are going through. This has been really, really tough. And, uh, they restart tonight against the San Diego Padres, but this is a terrific A's team and you're going to have 16 teams get in and all 16 teams have a puncher's chance. Just how excited are you for the postseason and to watching this A's group, which is so resilient and so tough. Now, the, you know, I speak, I, I spoke of the team that I was on and, you know, the balance. Uh, this team may be, they're as balanced, maybe even more, uh, you know, uh, dynamic offensively. I mean, they're, a phen- they're, they're, they're the team that has a chance to do it all. I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't want to get too excited because I've been excited in the past, but, this is a team that could that could do it all. They're prepared. They they have all the ammo. Um, I you know I, I hope there's not talk of like it being a you know a weird year if, if they do end up winning it all. They're deserve it if they do. I think the, team, the players that have to go through what they're having to go through this year. I know it's 60 games, but man, I bet it feels like 200. I mean, it, this is this is tough. Nobody's had to go through it. So if they come out on top, man, they deserve it. And I think this team is as capable as anybody. So, uh, man, I'm silently very, very optimistic. Well, it is always great having you on the program and catching up. I hope as life, I hope life is great for you and the family. And let's talk soon and be safe and be well. Chris, you as well. Great talking to you, bud. The great Scott Hatterberg. How about that? Man. That was crazy. 20 straight wins. We'll relive that with David Force. The general manager is going to be joining us in moments. He's next up here at uh, 5 o'clock. Is that correct, Commander? Uh, that is correct. David Force. I think he was only in his, what, second year uh, with the organization when Hatterberg hit that home run. Uh, so David would have – hopefully he has some – Good memories of that, or maybe, I don't know, maybe he was on an assignment somewhere in Visalia. Because the money ball, that's where Billy was heading whenever uh, 
they were playing that game at the Coliseum. Remember, and his daughter called him, and he turned around and went back to Oakland. So, uh, I guess we'll never really know what was going where Billy was before the game, but maybe one day we'll find out if we ask him. But uh, the the movie told us that. I also pulled something from the movie. You mentioned it with uh with Hatterberg. If that scene really happened with Wash, and if, if no one remembers, it's uh this scene. You don't know how to play first base, Scott. That's right. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell him, Wash. It's incredibly hard. <laughs> the the, the I, I I didn't get it after, but the part after he goes, what about the, or Hatterberg goes, what about the fans and Wash and he goes, yeah, maybe I could teach one of them. <laughs> you don't build a team with a computer, Billy. Yeah, that one's at the very bottom of the uh, list of ones we have here. Like, all right, how about uh, how about the scouts? Ugly girlfriend means no confidence. Who's Fabio? I like guys like that. They got a little hair on their ass. (laughs) That's your favorite. (laughs) Adapt or die. Oh God, his bad. It rings all over the ballpark. Oh, where's that one? I think I got it. He throws the club head at the ball, and when he connects, it he drives it. It pops off the bat. You can hear it all over the ballpark. Can he hit? Guy's an athlete, big, fast, talented. Top of my list. Clean cut, good face. You don't put a team together with a computer, Billy. What does that mean? He's got a good face. What does that have to do with hitting a baseball? It's got nothing to do with it. I think that was a chapter in Brian Kenny's book uh, that I have here on my bookshelf. Uh, ahead of the curve, he talks about how you're not hiring the good-looking manager. Finish the, have you, did you finish this book? Uh, I read most of it. I didn't finish it. The only book yeah. I finished recently was the uh, Swing Kings, a book by Jerry Diamond, because that was a really interesting book talking about the home run revolution in baseball and how the twins of – you know, kind of embrace that. Well, now the Padres have actually with their 69 home runs, second most in baseball behind only the team they're chasing down in their own division, the Dodgers. So again, as we mentioned earlier, this isn't uh, the Padres I grew up watching with uh, Greg Vaughn leading the way with Bruce Bochy. This is completely different. You know, real interesting about them is they've done really well in interleague play. Just getting ready for this game. To where the A's have done really well against the West. They're 17 and 8. Padres are just 14 and 13 against their own division. But they've done well in interleague play against the American League at 9 and 3, to where the A's in interleague play just 5 and 4. I think the A's are the last team they have to play because they played the Angels already. They've played uh, Houston already. I think they swept Houston, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they played Seattle and they played Texas. So, and we saw we all know what happened in the Texas series with Tatis and the the unwritten rules of baseball. You know, we haven't talked to to David about any of the trades because if you remember, the last time we had David on, it was that night that they traded for Tommy Lastella. Yeah, so we're this first time we're going to talk to him about him and Mike Miner. Like he he, did, when did he know? Did he know at the time that we had him on? Remember, his phone kept buzzing during the interview. So maybe Correct. That, maybe that was your guy, uh, Billy Epler, blowing him up. Come on, Barreto for Lestella. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 we 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 gotta address that with him. 
Because how long after we talked to David did the deal go down? It was literally like what an hour, two hours. It was yeah, because they they end up we end up not playing that game. And I remember we talked to David at four, I think last Friday, and the trade happened around like six or six thirty. That it was announced. That's when it was announced. announced yeah. So I'm telling yeah. you, the, the the phone vibrating was totally maybe something. When going was on there. it agreed upon? That's a good question. And you know, I mean, let's be honest. We we talked last week with David about what a weird week. I mean, this week. These guys have been in this game, you know, whether it's Bob Melvin or it's David Force, they've been in this game a long time. And they've never seen anything like this. And now we really are at, you know, you cross your fingers and knock on wood and do whatever you need to do to hope that there's no more interruptions. And that Daniel Mingdon will be okay and in two weeks or however it, however long it takes for him to have a couple negative tests and then get it back going cuz you know the A's have tried to do everything from a protocol from a protocol standpoint to do everything the right way and it sounds like Daniel was just you know he's back at home seeing family and unfortunately got the uh, virus and so far so good with the A's and all the testing since then And and the bottom line is, you know, David and Billy are uh, and and Bob are in charge of these guys. They're the bosses. They've got to make some really tough decisions. And all they want to do is make sure that everybody's as safe as possible. I'll, I'll tell you this: Bob is re- Bob Melvin is really at this point you know, showing a really good face because it has not been easy. And David Forrest, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, joins us here on A's Cast Live and A's Cast. David, how are you this week? Good. Good, Chris. Sorry I was a little late uh, dialing in here from the ballpark. But nice nice to talk to you and nice to know that it's on a day where we're going to have a ball game. No doubt about it. You know, last week we talked about how this was one of the strangest weeks of your career. Uh, I didn't think we could top it with what we had this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, very shortly after you and I spoke last Friday, it uh, it got weird for us. So I'm uh, I'm really happy we're through it. I'm, I'm thrilled with how our group handled everything, how our staff in Houston worked and, and got our guys out of there, and just very happy to be on the other side of it. Yeah, just how tough was it? You know, the, I mean, I, I want to get into the human side because, you know, sometimes we don't view these players uh, as humans, but how just how tough was it for this ball club to be basically sitting in your hotel room in Houston and you can't go anywhere? I mean, that has to be brutal on these guys mentally. I think it was, yeah. I mean, you, and you can hear from them or from Bob directly to, to know what they went through, but, but being on the outside, uh, talking to Bob, you know, texting with some of the players, obviously constant contact with our athletic training group. Uh, yeah, it just, there's so, there, there's so much unknown, the, the stuff that's uncertain about test results coming back on top of just having to deal with, you know, being in your room, not allowed out, totally isolating. It was, um, you know, I'm glad it was only three, three days for most of these guys, four for some of them, but uh, still a, a grueling few days. What's it like dealing with the unknown? Uh, it's not my favorite thing. 
it's uh, <laughs> it's tough. I mean, you're we were up late every night waiting for test results to come back, just crossing your fingers. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball, to their credit, is you know incredibly helpful, but they also don't want to get more than a day ahead of themselves because you don't know. So, you know, the players don't get a lot of information sitting in their rooms. You know, we were always hopeful we'd be able to leave Tuesday, but essentially couldn't make that decision until well after midnight Houston time on Monday. Like there's there's all these things you just have to wait and sit around and you can't make plans. Uh, and it's, it's hard for these guys who have routines and are so used to looking at a schedule and planning months in advance, things like that. And you just kind of have to slow everything down and go day to day. So how does it go forward with Daniel Mingdon now? So Daniel, um, you know, he's home in Houston. I guess the silver lining for him was that he has a house there and he stays there. But similar to what we dealt with in spring training with Jesus Lazardo, there's a 14-day period where you have to remain quarantined and then ultimately you get released when you test negative twice. So he's got a, he's got a little bit of a road ahead of him until he makes it back uh, as part of the group. Well, let's talk about some trades because, you know, the last time we talked to you, uh, we now find out that you were in talks with the Angels to get uh, Tommy Listella for Franklin Barreto. We talked to you somewhere in the 4 o'clock hour. The deal was done after we talked to you. So did you know when we talked that it was going down or were you still in conversations? It's hard to remember the exact timing. I had talked to Billy Upler a couple times that day and, uh, we'd sort of gone back and forth. So can't remember if, uh, you know, I can't remember when the conversation was where we sort of settled on Barreto as a guy we, we would do. And anyways, it was obviously right around that time. And lucky we got the deal done in time to uh, get Tommy out that night and, and to Houston for, uh, well, it was lucky for us. I don't know how lucky it was for him that he made it in time to get to Houston and then <laughs> hang out with our group for a few days. <laughs> Uh, I just I, I, I love the deal. I just to get a guy that does not strike out, who makes a ton of contact. We were talking about one of the games he played in with a runner on third and less than an out, grounding out to second base, bringing a runner in. I just just bringing kind of like a Jed Lowry kind of player back into your lineup. Uh, I have to think that was kind of the idea. A high average, high contact guy was just what the doctor ordered for your lineup. Without a doubt, and, and you're right. I, I certainly took notice of that at that as well when he got the runner in from third. But uh, look, this is a it's a powerful lineup we have, and we're going to score runs. But clearly, through the first thirty some odd games of the season, you know, one of the things that we haven't done as well is is situational and, and getting runners in from third. And um, you know, I don't I don't have a problem with strikeouts in a vacuum. But when they come with a runner at third and less than two outs, they're they're damaging. And you go out and you look for a guy with a one of the highest contact rates in the league, with you know twice as many walks as strikeouts, and you imagine that's kind of the perfect guy to add to this lineup. And then you bring in Miner over from Texas, and I mean. With this stretch of how many games you have and all the double headers, I mean, you you need as much starting pitching as you possibly can get. For sure, yeah. And obviously, we look. We had started the minor conversation before this all happened, um, but once it does, and you realize you're going to have a bunch of double headers, and you realize the guy who you're definitely going to be without is one of your backup starters, getting a guy like Minor 
uh, we thought was critical to find a way to get that deal done because, you know, because he does both. He can be available on the pen, but he can start the back ends of the double headers if you need. Um, you know, we'll have to figure out how it spaces out with three and six days. But, um, but no, he was, he was important to add, add to this pitching staff. And look, he's, you know, he, he struggled a few starts early in the year, but we saw what he did his last start in Texas against the Dodgers. And, and we've seen how he's dominated the last two years as a starter for the Rangers. So uh, we have, you know, every reason to believe that, that he can get back to that and be a, an important part of this rotation. Yeah, how hard is it for you guys to truly just evaluate players and their numbers just based off what they're doing this year? It's hard. It it was the hardest part of this process. It's hard to really even look at our own team and and make evaluations. I mean, we've we've kicked around some stuff, you know, the last week. We've we've had a lot of free time on our hands. So we uh, we kicked around a bunch of conversations about our team and our our defense, offense, and, and every time we sort of, as a group think, you know, think we have like a, you know, a, an answer or know what we're looking at. We, we stop and say, Hey, it's 34 games. Like in a normal season, we'd be saying like, we don't know anything about our team right now. So it's, uh, it's, you know, it's just, it's just 2020. That's what it is. It's uh, and, and the fact, I don't it just seemed like, wow, you did a deal with the Angels. Wow, you did a deal with the Rangers. How often do you think you, you really do deals with teams in your own division? <laughs> we may, I guess we, we made the deal with the Rangers a couple of years back on Corey Guerin. But, uh, yeah, it's been a while since we made a deal with, uh, with Anaheim. So, you know, I think it just it sort of goes to show that, you know, everyone's out there kind of just looking for their best deal. No one's too concerned about being within the division. Everyone is confident in their own evaluations. And, um, you know, in a year, again, in a year like this, you know, those are two teams who obviously felt they weren't going to the playoffs, so they're looking beyond this year anyways. They're not, they're not concerned with what they're giving us for the rest of 2020. Just how happy are you to be at the ballpark, to see guys taking batting practice, knowing that you got a three-game set coming up against the Padres, just to, just to have baseball back again? It's nice. It's, it was nice to be out here the last two days, even just for workouts. Because, you know, again, you say it was only Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Those were those were long days and long hours, just wondering, waiting. Uh, I talked to John Moziliak in St. Louis at one point to hear about what they had gone through, uh, which was exponentially uh, more difficult than what we did. But you just you're hoping you're not that club, and um, it was it was nice to see the guys out running around the last two days. Yeah, there's going to be some rust to shake off tonight for sure, but they're excited to be out there. You know, I was thinking about this, trying to be, you know, glass half full right now. You know, I think more people rather hear that than and then a lot of negativity. And I just, I get the sense that certain guys who haven't gotten off to a great start can almost kind of like hit the reset button during this time off and say, you know what, I'm going to forget about the first X amount of games and now I can just focus on September. Do you get that sense with some of the guys? I hope so. I, you know, I haven't, I haven't talked to guys specifically about that, but, you know, I think Bob made reference to this being a little bit like the all-star break. And that's what, you know, that's what a lot of guys do at the all-star break is, is kind of reset mentally. And like you said, if they've been struggling in the first half, maybe just say, Hey, let's start those numbers over and just look at the second half. And, you know, maybe some of the guys who were scuffling were able to do that the last four or five days. And, um, but again, we, you know, 
we're 22 and 12, you know, we're playing well as a group. Obviously there's some individual performances that guys wish would be better, but I think the most important thing is we get, we get back out there and, and start winning because we got a lot of games on top of us in a short period of time. I got to tell you, someone who keeps score every game, that second game of the double header, when all of a sudden Marcus Simeon wasn't in the lineup and like not right, writing Marcus <laughs> Simeon into my score. It was so odd. It was like, I just, it was, I mean, how strange was it for you to not have him out there? It was. I mean, we were dealing with it between games um, and sort of just focused on whether he was going to be able to go. So I, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to look at the lineup, honestly, before game two, but I, I will say today, you know, seeing the lineup posted without Marcus on top, like that was, you know, that was surprising. You don't, you don't expect it. And it's been a long time. So we're, we're hopeful he's back out there sooner rather than later, but, knowing also that we don't want to push it and he knows he knows when he's when he's ready to go. Let's end on a great memory. 18 years ago today, Scott Hatterberg hits that home run and the A's win 20 straight, which then was the American League record. Where were you during that time? I would have been in the video room. I was still, you know, it was my third year here. Uh Dan Feinstein and I were still pretty much attached at the hip in that video room. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously there's been a, uh, a lot of portrayals of that day and that scene. And, uh, I definitely remember, uh, being in the video room, being just not being able to believe that we had blown an 11, nothing lead. And then, uh, and then having everything change on one swing. So yeah, I saw that our, uh, our Twitter account posted the video of that this morning. It was, Nice little trip down memory lane. Obviously, Hattie is still uh, still very much a part of the organization, and uh, great great to see uh, a young young Hatterberg on video. How the heck did that lead get away from me? Like you look back on it and go, Tim Hudson. I mean, how, how the heck did that happen? I don't know. Yeah, as many times as you watch uh, the parts of that game when Moneyball's on TBS every couple of nights, still. Uh, Still can't believe we got to that point, but maybe it was worth it. Well, David, we're crossing our fingers. We're knocking on wood. We're doing everything we can. Uh, hoping that everything kind of stays the way it is. And this is a really big homestand. Three with the Padres and then five with the Astros. And uh, we're really praying for you guys because we know we know it's not easy. And we know that wh- whether it's the front office or it's Bob, his staff, the players, everything you guys are going through, you've never dealt with in your career. And you guys are really doing a great job. And it's uh, been, it's been very impressive. And, and someday we'll be able to talk about it as probably some of the best work of your career. Well, thanks very much, Chris. Like I said at the beginning, the guys on the ground in Houston, whether it was, you know, Nick Paparesta, Tony Leo handling the testing and our guys, Mickey getting us in and out of there. Um, and, and then, frankly, every guy in the traveling party who clearly followed the protocols, kept their masks on, kept their distance. And, and the reason they're in place is because of a situation like this and trying to contain it. And, you know, I've been in touch with Daniel. I'm glad he's feeling okay. We'll get him through this. But everybody else deserves a lot of credit. For, uh, for containing it and getting back on the field so quickly. Great stuff as always. Be safe, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, Chris. I'll see you. David Force, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics. It's real. This is going to be a time that 
these longtime baseball people, and it'll be the same thing in the NBA. It'll be the same thing in the NHL. It's going to be the same thing on the PGA Tour. It's going to be the same thing in the NFL. It's going to be a year that they'll all look back and go, man, I reached out to somebody that I know with the Raiders. And I can tell you, like the Raiders right now, it's like all these NFL teams, 32 NFL teams, they're all they're all like, how are we going to how are we going to do this? This is this is. I mean, one guy gets it and look, I mean, we 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 thought, OK, that's why I had the, you know, the alternate site. One guy gets it, you take him out. What's well, just not that easy. And it can spread so fast. I mean, it's tough. And it's scary. I mean, would you want to be on the road right now? Would you want to be stuck in a hotel for three days by yourself? You know, you're in your own room by yourself. Can't go anywhere. I know these guys get compensated well, but man, this is. It's brutal. Now, all of a sudden, you're back to playing. You hope you're going to be playing. You hope you're going to finish the season. I've always hated, let's take it one game at a time, but this may be the one year that the cliche, one game at a time, actually actually is, is real. Where you truly, it's just every day. You know, the other day, well, actually would have been yesterday, I went into Zanato's. It's a grocery store down here in the South Bay. They took my temperature. I was like, wow. And and we've we've addressed it here on Ace Cast and Ace Cast Live that how things are and where we are in the most parts of the Bay Area is far different than everywhere around the country. <laughs> I mean, everywhere else people are getting haircuts and getting their nails done and doing different things. And we're still in complete. I know for us, I mean, I can only speak for my County because that's the only place I've been Santa Clara County. It's uh, it's still full blown. I mean, we're getting our temperature taken at a grocery store. You think they're doing that in most places in the country? No, they're not. I was saying my, my parents asked me if I wanted to go see a concert next week when I'm there. I'm like, what? A concert. A concert? I was like, I was like, uh, I, I was like, if we go out to eat anywhere, we're eating outside. I, re- I refuse to go into a restaurant because we can't do that here, and I don't trust what you guys are doing in Pennsylvania. Well, in, unless you're a big political leader, you can do it. You know, we can't have people in our restaurants, and our restaurants can't have people. But you know, it depends who you are. You can do it and get away with it. Unbelievable. Do you want me to call the great Bob Townsend? Yes, call the great Bob Townsend, my brother. That's, we got about 10 minutes, so you got plenty of time to talk to your brother, to reminisce. Question is, is he going to answer this weird number, this millennial number that we're calling from? Hello? Hello, Bob Towns. Hey, what's up, buddy? Welcome to A's Cast Live. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Just came off the golf course. We've been, uh, we, you know, throughout time. And uh, Cody, say hello to my brother Bobby. Hi, Bob. This is Cody. Well, hello, Cody. So he likes to refer- reference the Padres as Bob Townsend's Padres because you have been kind of our uh, 
um, our secret mole into that organization, as we have told people that uh, you've gotten to know uh, people through the Padre, well, through San Diego Country Club, you've gotten to know some of the people, including our own, but he doesn't work for the Padres, he works for the A's, our own Grady Fuson. Correct. I, I just saw Grady. I, I was just sitting here with Grady about an hour ago. So I got to think the excitement. We had Tony Gwynn Jr. on earlier today. There hasn't been a whole lot to talk about uh, for the past few years with the Padres, but I got to think for the first time, especially with the, the Chargers gone, that there has to be a buzz right now about this ball club because they got a ton of talent. Oh, everybody in this town is super excited. It's weird because of the COVID, but, uh, you know, just down here at the club and down on my other course, you're, uh, you're seeing everybody, everybody's talking about, do you see the game last night? Do you see the game last night? And everybody wants to talk about certain bats and it's, 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 everybody's talking about how there's no fans. And so you can hear the explosion off the bat different. And, uh, Padres fans are having a, a, a really good time feeling like they're going to start chasing the Dodgers. Well, that's the thing is the Dodgers have so much talent, but then again, we're looking at a season where eight teams from the national league, eight teams from the American league are going to get into the postseason. So it's kind of anybody's game. And the one guy that, you know, we can talk about Tatis jr. And how electric he is, but it's Manny Machado who admitted last year that maybe didn't, you know, give it his all. Uh, it looks like Manny Machado is finally trying with this $300 million contract, and he's back to being the Manny Machado that we saw in Baltimore. It's funny because uh, he really started playing well after somehow, some way, he figured out a way to have Fowler write a check to sign his brother-in-law, who's not even on the team, but uh, hanging out around his brother-in-law's what a lot of guys wanted to, or what he wanted to see. Uh, remember, he was being courted by by the White Sox. Now he doesn't play for the White Sox anymore, and I don't know if he's spending his days playing golf or whatever over at Coronado Golf Course where he where he is. And but he's hanging out with his brother-in-law, and he's making his wife happy. Well, and you know, of course, that is uh, Yonder Alonso, who is a former Oakland Athletic, is who my brother's talking about, uh, and then. This Tatis kid, it's like you watch these highlights on MLB Network, and it's just it, it's crazy how much talent that he has. And at this young age, power, I don't know if he'll be a shortstop full-time, but, man, offensively, this kid is so dynamic. I call him the second coming of Ricky Henderson. It might be a little early, but uh, it's, it's, they do the same types of things. But this kid is flat out loves defense. This kid can lay out. He goes all over the place. But his dynamic personality has everyone in the clubhouse all fired up. All right. So all time, the A's have absolutely owned the Padres. It's actually the third best record ever against one team minimum of 30 games. The best record ever is actually the Marlins over the Orioles. Then it's the Angels against the Rockies. And then the A's at 23 and 10. Uh, but obviously, this is a different Padre team. So, uh, what would you like to wager, as Ted Leitner would say, your Padres against our athletics? Oh, this is a you me thing? 
Oh, yeah. It, it's it's kind of like Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek against San Diego Chicken Pie Shop. No, I'm thinking more along the lines of you caddy for me versus I caddy for you. I heard about those new clubs you got, and Ledwith told me that uh, it's not the arrow. It's still the Indian. Well, I shot 82 today, uh, so life is actually uh, changing for the old Indian with the arrow. So, you wait a minute, wait. I know I could caddy for you. The question is, with your bad back, would you be able to get it? I, I mean, I'm going to want you to. I don't know. I'm going to want you to like caddy for me, like out at Pebble. That's no problem. All right, I'll That's caddy easy. for you. I'll caddy for you at Torrey Pines, or you caddy for me at Pebble. I'm feeling good about that. You guys are a little beat up right now, and uh, our Padres are, are are pretty healthy. Hey, did you hear that I had Ted Lightner on the show? I did not hear that you had Ted Lightner on the show. My Padres? Oh, it was great. He had, he's he, he's still the best. And he's telling stories about how Billy Bean, uh, Billy Bean's like, I used to watch you on television when I was a kid. Oh, it was classic. Hey, I got a question. When are you guys going to bring up Nick Allen? He's at our alternate site down here in San Jose. You know, I know he is. I got sources down there too. I heard that guy's gloving it. He's got three home runs down there. I heard the kids. I heard the kids uh, beating the cover off the ball. I'm more worried about him. Second. I'm more worried about his father putting a deck on our restaurant than about Nick Allen getting to the big leagues. <laughs> I love it. Oh, All right, great stuff. Love you, brother. Right, you, Good luck. You take care. Love you too. And. uh Get, get your shoulders in in, uh, in shape, okay? Yeah, well, that ain't happening. See ya. Later. Yeah, so Nick Allen, one of our prize prospects, I, my brother and I went to school with his mother, and, uh, well, my my Nick Allen's father is one of our contractors. I mean, it's crazy the connection between Nick Allen, his, his family, so I went to school with his mother and his aunt. My brother went to school with his father, his mother, and his aunt. And we all went to the same church together. How about that? The great Nick Allen, who's at the alternate site in San Jose, could be future shortstop of the Oakland Athletics. Obviously, we have no idea after this year what's going to happen with Marcus Simeon. Your brother has better sources than we do, and we both live by the ballpark. Think about that for a second. <laughs> He has bet. My brother has better. Well, he has boots on the ground, and we live right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, we hey, we could easily sneak down to San Jose Municipal Stadium. I can tell you, I can sneak into that stadium. We could easily do that, and we'd have masks on, so they wouldn't know it's us. Yeah, I mean, there's they have that have no idea who we are. Well, they won't know who we are anyway, unless there's someone from the organization down that knows who we are. The only guy that could point us out probably would be our friend Fran Reardon. The great friend, Re- nah, Bobby Crosby. Oh, yeah. Well, he's a big fan of yours. So, uh, Let's see. Who else is down there? Can you imagine if we went up with masks and kind of snuck in? It's like, hey, Fran, how you doing, buddy? Uh, Chris, is that you? <laughs> oh, the great Fran Reardon. But, yeah, I mean, that Bill Moriarty taught us yesterday um, the alternate site's going to go through the playoffs. God, I totally forgot to ask David about that. You know, David Force has so much on his plate right now. It's almost kind of like, yeah, you know, you only want to ask him so much and just, you know, he's just, I mean, because these guys, they got a lot. I mean, think about 
staying up all night long, waiting for these tests, trying to figure out what you're going to do with this team. How are you going to get them all? I mean, it's got to be brutal. This is a really, really, really tough time. You're telling me we got to go? Yeah, we got you, you got a pregame to get ready for, Ace Total Access. Why do I got pregame? I, gotta be, I forgot about it. When's the last time I've done I haven't done a pregame in a while. Since last Saturday. So it's been almost a week since we've had Ace Total Access and an A's game on the air. And who are we going to use? Because I have to get this to Vince Catronia. Who are we using? Uh, I have sent over Tony Gwynn Jr. and the legend, Scott Hatterberg. And then you'll hear Mark Ellis next in between uh, Ace Cast Live and Ace Total Access. So a little of nostalgia going into Ace Total Access before Padres and A's. This is, as I said, tell me what their record's going to be on the 17th. As you got three against the Padres, five against the Astros, then you got to go back on the road. You got to play four against the Rangers. So you got two double, you basically you got three double headers in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven days. You got three double headers. Because after the four games in Texas, you got to fly to Seattle, double header, then fly to Colorado, Coors Field, brutal. Tell me what the record is on September 17th, and I'll tell you where I think they're going to be in, in the in the seating. This is a this is going to be a rough stretch. Time to strap it on and put your big boy pads on. Because this is not going to be easy. But it's going to be fun. We got baseball back. All right, coming up, we're going to get you ready for the A's and the Padres on A's Total Access. Who do we have? We're running Mark Ellis right now? Yeah, Mark Ellis will be up next. All right, and we will be, what, today's Friday? Yeah, so we'll be back Monday at 3 o'clock for A's Astros. Love it. All right, everybody, thank you for listening, and we'll see you on Monday. Wait, we'll be back in a few minutes to get you ready for this ball game. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. If you're looking for some beautiful outdoor dining, then look no further than the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. Come try the world-famous chicken pie dinner that has been served in Southern California for over 80 years and one of the most dynamic menus in Walnut Creek. The Chicken Pie Shop also has a full takeout menu and delivery. You go to chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. Don't forget, they can also deliver beer, wine, and spirits. You go to chickenpieshopwc.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.